Oh, you already got the can. There we go. Welcome back to another episode of Stacking Denny's. I'm Jordan McAbee of Rotoballer, my co-host Nick Giffen of the Action Network, and special guest truck series driver Stephen Malazzi making his second career uh, NASCAR truck series start this weekend in Martinsville in the 22 Stacking Denny's Ford. Man, we are excited. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's always a good time watching, so I hope it's as good of a time being on the show as it is uh as it is watching you two chat it up. <clears throat> yeah, I hope, it's, right. I hope it so, is. So. Steven, uh, this this all kind of came together kind of crazy. Uh, I know on your end, I mean, you basically found out you got approval <coughs> about two weeks ago to, to race this coming weekend at Martinsville. And from there, it was kind of a mad scramble. Trying to find sponsorship to, to help you out. I know you messaged me and uh, we were able to to make some stuff happen, but just kind of tell us uh, how everything came together on your end. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how much your listeners probably know about my background, but like very briefly, um, I did a truck race last year at mid Ohio. And the whole point of doing that truck race was, you know, I, I grew up racing with my old man, my dad, Stephen Anthony Malazzi. And uh, we stopped racing together because he got diagnosed with cancer about seven years ago. So I decided I wanted to go back, make, make it all happy with my dad around and see it and make an NASCAR start. I was like, I'm done. I'm ready to walk away. I don't really know that I'll ever do this again. And if I don't, I'm content. I've got a Wikipedia page. that's pretty damn cool. I'm like, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. That's it. <clears throat> but then I was, I, I was up working a go-kart racing journey. I got a bunch of questions from people about NASCAR and what it was like and this and that. And uh, I actually ended up going to hang out with one of my best friends from high school at a casino up in up in Pennsylvania. And he introduced me to some of his friends and a couple of girls, and they were all talking about mid-Ohio like they were there. And I realized, I called my dad and I told him about it. And I'm like, I am just now realizing how significant what I did was. And I'm like, now I kind of just walked away from it and I don't really know why. I'm like, I have an opportunity. I'm not, I graduated college. I've got off time before law school. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I'm like, let's go back and let's freaking run Martinsville. So the next day, I submitted my approval request to NASCAR. <laughs> um, a few days later, I found out I was in. The day I found out I was in, I had maybe 11 days to get shit done and find enough money to go race Martinsville. So the original deal I had proposed to Josh Ryum uh, was actually to sell my beloved car. And uh, in exchange for, for two truck races, I, I drive a uh, Dodge Charger that I, that I love to death. But I'm like, do I want to be the guy who drives a bright orange Dodge? Or do I want to be the guy who raced Martinsville in one other truck race this season? And I'm like, I want to be the guy who races in the truck series. Uh, but I actually ended up reaching out to enough people, enough support to the point where uh, the only way I'll have to sell my car is if we crash at Martinsville. So I really hope... We don't crash in Martinsville because if we don't, <laughs> I can use the car to get a couple more races in this season. And the end goal would be to get approved for a super speedway like Daytona or Talladega. So um, it all came together really quick. Um, obviously, you guys were pretty instrumental in making that happen. Um, and, you know, now there's literally going to be for the rest of your life pictures of a stacking Denny's Ford somewhere on the Internet for y'all to see. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah. We'll have to figure out how to get a die cast of that or something. <laughs> right? Oh, God. Don't even get me started on getting die casts made. I mean, listen, if you can convince like five, I think it's 500 people we need to order, pre order one, then yeah, they'll make a die cast of it. But it's, uh, <laughs> a little easier said than done, if you know what I mean. Yeah, right. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so, so what went into the decision to, to run Martinsville specifically? <clears throat> so it's actually. <laughs> We, Josh and I had originally thought Martinsville was going to be short fielded. So we thought it was going to be a great chance to get out there, get some short track experience. We can run the 34. We can probably do it. Josh Raymond is like a dad to me. Love him to death. Like, I mean, he is quite literally, you know, obviously we talked a little bit earlier, but my dad had to step away from racing. He's sick. You know, it, it's been tough. Josh is kind of filled those shoes as like my dad in racing and i mean that in like he is the i don't know how else to describe it like it is true i love the man i love the man so he's like we can get it done cheaply but then we started asking around and we kind of found out oh no there might be 38 trucks the 34 is probably not an option we're gonna have to find another way and all the guys over at am racing were phenomenal and nice enough to uh to let me get behind the wheel of the 22. Um, so, you know, obviously great thanks to them as well for, for being great guys and, and allowing me to, to, you know, keep living this dream. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, by being in that number 22, uh, based off the owner's points, you're pretty much locked in. It would take, I guess, absolute catastrophe to not be in the race somehow, some way. So but, I, actually, uh, I actually ran some numbers for you. Did you know that there has been no car or truck in the top 20 in owner's points. I am totally jinxing myself, but I'm going to say it <laughs> and hope that I'm not in the past three seasons. That's as far back as I needed to look. That has missed a race based on points that wasn't in the first three races of the year. It's like, obviously, Daytona, mm. Daytona you have cars miss all the time, right? It just happens. Sure. But outside of that, after those first three races, once they switch over to the current season's owner points, no, no mm -hmm. car that was ranked in the top twenty has missed a race since then. So, knock on wood, but I'm feeling pretty <laughs> good that we're going to be racing. <laughs> yeah, well, see, I mean, I'm the I'm the analyst here. I'm the, the number cruncher, but thank you for running the numbers for me, so I didn't have to. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned Mid Ohio last year. Talk about that race. Talk about it because it was pretty adventurous for you the whole weekend was pretty adventurous for you uh and you know you came home with a pretty good finish maybe not one as quite as good as you wanted but still a very very good finish for your debut i'll be honest with you i was hoping for a top 30 so like 20 second is is phenomenal for me um what's actually really frustrating and we're kind of gonna work our way backwards it sounds like by the way i'm, I'm structuring my own story here um, yeah <clears throat> we were actually running 17th with a lap and a half to go and uh, I had a little run-in with the, uh, as, as DW said, that's a teammate who uh, ran into me going into turn four, spun me out, and ended up knocking us back five places. Um, and what's really frustrating is that particular teammate was 32 laps down. So I don't really know why that we were being raced there. Shit happens. I mean, I imagine that. I don't really know what to say about it, but it happened. It is what it is. We finished 22nd. I was actually sitting in the truck thinking to myself, you know, words that I probably don't want to say on a podcast, but um, I was like, oh my God, we're not going to finish this race. 
because we had not been able to get our truck started without a jump box all weekend long. And uh, I'm sitting in the truck and I'm mad. I'm cursing on the radio. You know, all of a sudden Josh comes on. He's like, dude, he's like, buddy, you gotta believe in the truck. I'm like, what the? Are you believe in the truck? Really? That's what we're gonna go with. I have spent my life to get to this point, and you're telling me the reason why the truck won't start is because I'm not believing in it. He's like, <laughs> switches and believe in the truck. I'm like, whatever you say, and I'm like, I, I said whatever you say, and then another bad word after that. But that's, you know, it is what. It, I, there's a lot of swearing that goes on when I'm in a car. So I flip Absolutely. All, flip all the switches, flip them back on, and lo and behold, the son of a bitch fires. <laughs> for and the I, first time all weekend. And I sat there and <laughs> off for probably five seconds before I put it in gear and drove away out of the grass. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. That is that is ridiculous that that, that, that worked. But um, we also had you know a run-in on the last lap of practice <clears throat> with uh, – a team that I won't name and talk about, but I'm pretty sure Nick knows who I'm referring to. Jordan, you might too. You might know what team I'm I'm talking about. Spilled some oil on the racetrack, and it, it was uh, it was Easter this past weekend, right? So yeah, yeah, that yep, team. Yep, yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly that team. Um, and uh, sent us into the turn nine wall, so that uh, actually really destroyed the truck pretty bad. Um, so we. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had we don't have backups at the yard. We're a small team, so we don't bring backups. We had to repair the dinged up truck and go out there and run. And um, yeah, it, it was definitely an eventful weekend, to say the least. Um, but a pretty unbelievable one at that. So I, I was more than thrilled with twenty second and the lead lap finish. <clears throat> so, yeah. So, so what are your you you know you you were hoping to run uh you know top thirty at Mid Ohio last year. What are your expectations this week in Martinsville? So I'm not, I, that's a great question, that, and that's something I've I've thought about a lot. There's a lot of X factors that go into it. One, there's rain in the area on Friday, and if it's a damn mm-hmm. racetrack, the the objective is survive, do not crash. That is it. <clears throat> I I realistically so. I mean, the 22 guys have been, outside of the dirt race, have been 19th to 23rd every race this year. You know, really consistent. They do a good job of keeping it clean. That's what I would like to do. If I can get a top 20 out of it, keep the nose clean, keep everything on it, I'm a happy guy. So, um, yeah, the other thing is, too, right, like, my bread and butter has been has been left and right turns. I, I didn't grow up on over racing. I grew up on asphalt, road course, go-kart racing. So, you know, going to a track like Martinsville is definitely a very different experience. I've never done live pit stops before, so that's going to be a challenge, right? Um, being on a track that small with 36 other, 35 other race cars. I mean, I will say this. When I did late model racing, we bought an absolute clunker. Like, the 1997 274,000 mile Honda Civic of race cars. Like, just <laughs> a clunker. It was not built to go fast at all. It was built to get experience. So, <clears throat> I actually got a lot of experience of, you know, navigating traffic as it comes around me. I'm hoping we don't have that problem this weekend. I actually have a lot of confidence in the 22 guys and the piece that they've built. So, I'm hoping that we can, you know, mix it up on pure speed with some guys in the top 25 and end up using attrition to get inside the top 20. That would be, that would be my ideal weekend. 
Well, my ideal weekend would be 35 other trucks wrecked. But uh, <laughs> we're talking real. I don't think we're getting we, – you never know. I mean, uh, we've seen rain cause havoc before in NASCAR. Uh, <laughs> you, you might get the 35 car big one at uh, Martinsville and, yeah. and you're the survivor. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, so I guess, um, you know uh, – just looking a little bit at your background, obviously, uh, Northeast Karting Championships, uh, obviously did some late model racing at Hickory. <laughs> just just looking at your Wikipedia page here. Oh, uh, thank you. How, how does, yeah, how does Martinsville compare to your background? Like driving a truck at Martinsville compared to your background? I, I can't imagine it's all that different than Hickory. Really, I, I because Hickory is... kind of what I figured. Hickory's a pretty bottom dominant racetrack for the most part. Um, you know, like Martinsville, you don't really want to get stuck on the outside of Martinsville either. Um, Martinsville is obviously a little bit bigger, but no banking in the corner. So you're a little slower in the corners, probably. Right. Um, I, for me, the biggest concern about this race and the biggest difference is not since the days when I was racing junior go karts in the junior class. So the 13 to 16 year olds, have I been involved in a series or an event that will have as many crashes as I expect Martinsville to have? Um, and and I, I imagine you guys have watched most of the truck races this year. And um, there have been times where I've been less than impressed <laughs> uh, <laughs> with, with some of the racing. And now that I'm a member of that field, hopefully I don't contribute to it. I'm hoping I can, uh, like I said, just stay clean, but there's, there's a lot of times you get caught up in other people's messes and, you know, what the hell are you going to do? Like, there's, there's nothing you can do. And very rarely in my career have I ever felt like I've been in positions that I couldn't have or didn't get myself out of. Um, a lot of times when I wreck, I feel like it's, it's a mistake I made or it's my own responsibility. And I feel like we, we could find ourselves in a position this weekend where shit happens and you just get stuck in it. And I hope it doesn't yep. really do hope it doesn't, but that worries me a little bit. Um, otherwise, I mean, I, I don't know that it's that different. I think that's kind of a, kind of a fair comparison. I don't know. Not really sure what go-karting is going to do for me now. So, um, that, and, and that, that go-karting, that was against uh, Kyle Kirkwood, right? I did. <laughs> I, Oliver Askew, Kyle Kirkwood. Yep. Yep. I don't know if you know who Zach Clayman DeMello is. He was in there. Mm -hmm. um, Sage Karam grew up at the same go-kart track. Sage, nice. I raced against the Latifi brothers, Nick and Matt Latifi. Um, yep. So, yeah, actually, I'm not sure I've ever lost to a Latifi. Can't confirm that. I'd have to go back to some, <laughs> some of my past races. But, yeah, I, I, you know, the karting scene back then was just loaded with talent. I mean, oh, yeah. across oh, yeah. all series. I mean, there was just guys. There were guys everywhere that were that ended up all across motorsports. Stephen Malazzi was in there. Uh, I mean, that guy. That guy. Yeah, there. exactly. I was going to say I'm a little <laughs> disappointed. I don't get to see Stephen Malazzi race this weekend because I'll be watching some of your rivals, your arch rivals, Kyle Kirkwood, yeah. and uh, you know, a couple of those other guys uh, racing this weekend at Long Beach. But Jordan is going to be there, right, Jordan? Yeah, I, I'm making the trip here tomorrow night, Thursday Thursday morning, 
Finally get to go. I've been I've been wanting to cross Martinsville off my list. Like I haven't been to too many racetracks to be honest with you, but Martinsville's always been one of those I definitely have wanted to go to. And you know, it's about an eight hour drive for me, so it's not super long. Yeah. And this was the perfect opportunity. Like you said, everything everything came together here last minute and luckily I'm I was able to, you know, get everything booked and, and yeah, I'll be in Martinsville seeing this beautiful truck go around the race. Yeah, track. it is going to be damn beautiful too. Let me tell you. And I'll tell you, like, I'll agree with you. Martinsville was one of my tracks too. That was on that list of tracks. I absolutely want to go to. And when I was interning with RBR back in, in 21, <clears throat> uh, Josh actually invited me to go to the October race, despite me being back at school. Cause it was only a couple hours. And I'm telling you, the infield at Martinsville is one of the coolest places you can be. Because if you walk along the backstretch, you can just literally stand on the fence line. like, and, and there's actually a point on the racetrack where there's a garage entrance, and you can just stand there. Nobody really says anything. You're just looking. You're maybe 25 feet from race cars. No barrier in front of you. Just looking right at them. And it is sick. Hmm. You're literally watching them go into turn three. Um, it is badass. It is, it is probably one of my favorite racetracks to go watch racing at. Yeah, I love, I love Martinsville. Um Last time I was at Martinsville was 2014. Some guy by the name of Dale Earnhardt Jr. won that race in the playoff race of 2014. Yeah, never never heard of him. So uh, definitely a good experience, and it it's great. I mean, Jordan, obviously, you know, and, and Steven, you know, you'll be able to see all the action. Um, I, I guess maybe not from your vantage point, Jordan, because you'll be probably in the infield or, or, or somewhere, but uh, I would guess as a guess the team. I don't exactly know, but uh, you're going to have a good time anyway. You'll be able to see pretty much whatever you want to see. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. And I get to be up close and personal for my pit stops if you want. If you want, it might not be the prettiest uh, thing in the world. How do you feel about those? Uh, how do you feel about those? Horrible. Because you have, like you said, you haven't done those in a truck yet. Horrible. I'm dreading it. I am. <laughs> it is. It, there's nothing I fear more in racing. More, more than totaling the truck and having to pay tens of thousands of dollars in crash damage. The thing I fear is barreling into a pit crew member while I'm going into my box. That terrifies me. So um, Josh is going to, Josh and I are going to talk about a little bit like what the, what the procedural is and how like tips to make it easier on me. Um, Sure. uh, You know, I've done some pits in like, in like late model racing where you go in and you make an adjustment quick, but it's very different when you're talking you know, Martinsville pit road, which can be very congested. And you're talking, you know, first ever live pit stop. So not really yeah. the place I'd want to make my first live pit stop, if I'm honest. So, so are you, are you going to be able to practice any uh, live pit stops at all in any way? No, not really. No. And no. I'm actually I, even further concerning is I'm afraid that they're going to, they're going to rain out practice and qualify. Yep, and we're just going yep. into the race blind. We'll have to just... see what happens. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I'm not again not 100 percent. But if my math isn't wrong, we'll start like 14th place. And uh... <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You know that's bro, that's that's, that's, that's good though. That's like I'm right there. Listen, I'm in contention. That... Listen, Giffen, I'm not playing me in DFS. Okay, that's all I can say. You know, you gotta start... you gotta thank you gotta thank Chase Briscoe for that. <laughs> yeah, right. No kidding. But if I'm uh, if I'm 14th, I'm a definite fade. So <laughs> uh, 
The PD upside's not there. There's no the PD upside's not there. Um, <laughs> Until the 35 car wreck happens, truck yeah, wreck right, happens, I right should say, there, and you're you're not in it, right? Yeah. yeah. Then when I'm zero the the what the one percent chance for Malazzi <laughs> to to hit happened. <laughs> God, I actually don't. We have to give you crap because you know, I mean, let let's be real, like like let's be honest about your expectations. You're a rookie, a second start ever. Yeah, at Martinsville. Yeah, in a truck that's a mid mid pack truck. Yeah. Let's be real about that. I mean, you know, twentieth in points. It's very mid pack. Yeah. That's yeah. that's very respectable. But you know, I think that's probably uh, about where your expectation would be. I, I, would that be fair? Yeah, yeah. That's more. That's more than fair. That's more than fair. Honestly, like. I think we have to go into it with a little different mindset if there's no practice of qualifying. I think that kind of changes things a little bit. Um, sure. Because, you know, obviously then I'm, um, like, going in there batshit blind. Like, I just, it's kind of like, you know, throwing a baby in the pool and making it swim. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't really want to – I don't want to be in that position, but that could be where we end up. And um, the one thing I don't want to do is I don't want to let – I mean, those, those guys at 22, you know, they – and, you know, Josh has been in the 22, I think, three times this year. So between mm-hmm. Josh yep. and, and Max Gutierrez and uh, Logan Beard and Briscoe, I mean, 22 guys yep. have done a good job of keeping their points at a, at a safe level. So the last thing I want to do is, is be a detriment to that. So I'm hoping that uh, I can at least, you know, make the proud and keep them. Yeah, very solid. So six six truck starts this year for the 22. Worst finish of 23rd. Yeah. And, of course, that came at a, a drafting track, Atlanta. So a non-drafting yeah tracks the worst finish is a 22nd place finish so very solid job by the 22 team all around yeah i hear uh i hear you know that you know with chase briscoe running there 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 may be another cup driver in that car eventually this year nothing nothing to be confirmed nor denied on that front yet but i i have heard rumblings for sure that that could be that could be a thing but there's just you know that's right Nothing, nothing I can talk about, you know, nothing I, I think that's official or or locked in play. Yeah. Um, but definitely, definitely possibility. I know that that's, you know, something the AM guys love doing. I mean, it's, it's great for them to get – it helps them gauge their program. Um, and, you know, I know that it's uh, like having Briscoe with the truck, you know, watching it run inside the top ten for a lot of the day was definitely like a big you – know, it's, it's a big thing. So Now, looking at them, you know, last year – they pulled off three top 10 finishes as well. Austin Wayne self had uh, a ninth at Vegas, a 10th at Atlanta. And then uh, Max Gutierrez hopping in that truck had a ninth at Nashville. So that truck does have top 10 potential. Yeah. Maybe, and, and obviously Briscoe this year, but you know, maybe, maybe Steven Malazzi gives them their uh, fifth top 10 in the last two years. Put a lot of pressure on me. That's a lot. Listen, <laughs> listen, listen. listen. Nothing's impossible, right? Like it's it wouldn't be right. the most outlandish thing to happen in the world. But I don't the last thing I want to do, I'm trying my best reasonable expectations. That is the goal. So yes, yes. I think a top ten is definitely pushing the boundary of what what is reasonable sure. or not. So I mean in in the long run, right? I think the best thing for me and my racing career and what I'm trying to achieve right now uh, would be just make it through clean. Don't do anything stupid. Keep everybody happy. You know, then you get you get you get two more races in this year. I think we're looking at like Gateway as a possibility, um, Lockie as a possibility, like a few of those tracks where 
maybe there's not 37, 38 trucks going, so you can kind of go and just get experience at, at those size racetracks. And hopefully we can uh, impress the guys at the uh, at the competition department enough to let them say, hey, okay, we'll, we'll let them run Daytona or Talladega. Hey, you, you keep that truck clean, you get a lead lap finish, that'll get a beer crack from me. Let's go. That's, <laughs> honestly, I could retire at that point, a happy man. If I get a beer crack, <laughs> Absolutely. that's it. That's it. So... So. You know, you're you're talking about uh, practice and qualifying potentially getting rained out and kind of going into this race blind. I feel like that that's the perfect scenario for a stacking Denny's truck because we go into these podcasts completely blind. We don't have we don't have an outline. We, we don't, don't have what we're going to talk about. We just <laughs> we just go for it. So if, if practice and qualifying gets rained out on Friday, I, th- I think that's pretty uh, par for the course when it, co- when it comes to stacking. It's Denny's. it's very appropriate for a stacking Denny's truck, right? Like, right. It's so cool. Yeah. And uh, by the way, you know, so so obviously we'll be sponsoring. We want to obviously thank all the listeners who helped oh, yeah. contribute to the effort because um, we, you know, we went to this last week. Uh, I mean, it was one week ago we were recording this and we kind of just made yeah. it happen this day one week ago. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, put out the podcast, asked for, for listeners to help contribute in any way, shape or form. And it, it sounds like people came through, which is awesome so thank you to all the listeners for a listening to stacking denny's but b and more importantly b helping out steven malazzi's career here yes and, and, and the by the way his his venmo is still open you, it, we can still yes. support is, the cause here and if you'd like if you venmo i can't add it to the sticker because we're, we're working on actually getting i was talking to these the, guys a little bit before we we started on air i'm actually working on getting the scheme finalized and approved right now so i can't add anything else but Nothing stopping me from taking a sharpie and writing your name <laughs> if you really want it on there. Um, and like you know, to anybody out there who's, who's you know who did end up you know obviously contributing, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All my heart allows me to keep doing what I love. I will send out pictures. and and still hang on to your still hang on to your orange Dodge. Which, was it Charger or Challenger? Which, I forgot which, which one it was. Charger. Which by the way, Charger. still still gonna get rid of it, but now it just allows me to. Like extend its usage further, so I can use it for there you go. for a couple of extra races, right? Or you know, gives me the opportunity to sell trucks as I go instead of having to get the money up front and try and figure it out preemptively. You know what I mean? So that was a huge that was a huge clutch up by uh, by the stacking Denny's boys right there. So um, I'll get I'll get pictures out obviously um, as soon as they're on the hood. And if there's anybody's name I missed donated. I don't think there is. I went through my Venmo at least three times. Um, let me know, or let Nick know, or let Jordan know, and I will get you on a truck at some point to make sure I make it up to you. Because obviously, I want to make sure everybody gets what they deserve for supporting. You know, for supporting absolutely my, uh, my career. So, so to be fair, we aren't the only sponsors. So just. Uh, Give your give your chance to shout out all the other sponsors here. Well, you know we've got this platform here for stacking Denny's, and, and we want to make sure all the other sponsors get some recognition as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, uh, win the race, hopped on board. So uh, that was big. Ryan Stevens. Ryan Stevens. Ryan Stevens. I know you guys know yep. Ryan Stevens. So uh, he uh, he yep. contributed a, a good chunk of change to get on the truck and uh, help me out. Uh, TobyChristie.com uh, was hopped on as well. Uh, my good friend Chris McGinley. Made a custom design for his for his girlfriend to put on the back bumper just to surprise her. So like you know, 
It's not yeah. like a, it's not like a company. They're not marketing anything, but Chris McGinley loves his girlfriend, and that's what's really important to know. <laughs> that's worth the sponsorship yeah, right yeah. there. Worth the sponsor, you know what I mean? Um, and then uh, Kingsway Kingsway Regional School District has a STEM racing program that actually uh, did some fundraising for me. I go in there. I, I went to middle school there. Um, they're doing some great stuff at that middle school. So I go in and I speak, you know, once a semester, talk to the seventh and eighth graders about like, hey, one point I was sitting in your chair and uh, yeah, I was also a grumpy middle schooler and now I race in NASCAR. So, <laughs> you know, I kind of, I kind of talked to them about it and they, you know, chipped in some, uh, some change too. So uh, obviously big thanks to, to all those guys. And like I said, thanks to Josh and, and AM Racing and of course, Steph yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and Stacking Denny's, we have our own sponsor, right, Jordan? So, um, obviously, got to thank them as well. Yes. Yeah. Jordan, I'll let you think. You think of Jordan. Yeah. Lubabella yeah. Winery, as as you all know, as we, we all talk about and, and drink on this uh, podcast, Ohio based winery, definitely check them out for sure. Nick, has, Nick still has his bottle. There we go. I, the, I'm, I'm holding on to this thing forever. It's so good. The, <laughs> I, still I will say it every, every show, the bourbon barrel aged Merlot. Is absolutely incredible, Malazi. You pull off a, uh, a lead lap finish. I will buy you a bottle of bourbon barrel aged uh, Merlot because wow. from Louisville Bell Wines because no it's so good. Yeah, absolutely. Way I'll probably buy you one anyway. But, you know, <laughs> it's so good. So I don't know if you like wine, Malazi, but uh, it, it's it's even if you don't, you're gonna like it. What do I get if I win? If you win the race, yeah. If I, win, I don't, if, I don't even know. If I, if I win the whole, I don't damn even know. If you win the whole damn race, I, I will have to think on that one. Yeah, like, like what happens? What, <laughs> what's the special edition of Stacking Denny's if the Stacking Denny's Ford goes to victory lane? I, I feel like we're gonna have a pretty big party because, like, have truck odds dropped yet? Because I'm waiting for somewhere. I'm, I'm betting on you. You know, I, I don't. Care. We gotta. I, uh, well, my 40th birthday is this year, so we may have to just have a 40th birthday. Stephen Blasey yeah. win a truck race <laughs> combined party. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't like to walk this line off when it comes to to uh, to odds and gambling. When I when I'm now like like I stay away from it when I get life right, right? Because that's obviously to be safe with it. Of I, so I think I can say this because you know I I've, I've been working for the Action Network. I've, I've talked to NASCAR about it. I would be shocked if the odds for Stephen Malazzi didn't open at plus a hundred thousand or longer. Absolutely stacked. <laughs> so listen, listen, I. All I'm saying is it would be pretty it would be pretty strange of you guys not to at least take a flyer on the truck you're sponsored. You know what I mean? I feel yeah. that. You know? <clears throat> well, I'm probably gonna spend my whole bankroll on Kyle Kirkwood this weekend. So Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, that's but but sorry, I but, forgot you know, I'm your one. I, I gotta I gotta take a, I gotta take a gamble on on my truck. You know, you know, Jordan, I am Nick's second favorite racing driver and that disappoints me he says it's a 1a 1b no 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 no, 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 no. you're 1b you're uh, 1b yeah. to to 1a i'm one exactly i'm 1b and we all know that b is the letter after a we get it we get it Jordan, i told i told malazi man get me a, a signed hero card or whatever merch you can get me uh and i will put it on my kyle kirkwood shrine i'll that give I have. you i will sign race used underwear if you do you want that? Do you want the hell that? yes, <laughs> dude? I want, I, dude. That is what I want. I want race used underwear uh, from Stephen Malazzi. I I won't even wash it. I won't. I won't. I won't use tongs to hang it up. I'll just use my hands, my bare ass hands. I'll hang that up. Oh 
as long as it's it's, it's it's as long as it's signed. It, uh, I can do that. I can do that. Jordan, Jordan. By the way, you favorite. see what happened? You, you see, I'm wearing the the UVA hat, right? Yeah. Because you're a UVA guy. I'm wearing yeah, my, uh, so. the UVA shirt. I just don't think it says. I, I, I don't know. It's but I'm gonna I'm gonna switch I'm gonna switch hats real quick. Jordan, you you and you and Steven chit chat for a bit. I'm gonna switch hats. Yeah, Jordan, Jordan, I gotta switch into I gotta switch into my Louvabella hat. Yeah, switch switch yes. that. Am I your favorite race uh, car driver, Jordan? One hundred percent. Thank you. Yes. You know what? At least half yes. of stacking Denny's has me as their favorite race car driver. Yeah. I got your back. Don't worry. But, uh, you know, you tweeted out yesterday on Monday. So as long as all goes smoothly in about five days, I'm going to be able to say I raced Kyle Busch and Ross Chastain. You know, you said it's pretty epic, but, you know, how surreal is that to to say that you're going to be racing against some of the best uh, or one of the best drivers ever for NASCAR and then Ross Chastain? Nice, nice. Good, good. <laughs> there. Uh, sometimes <laughs> it's tough. It's tough to really let it sink in. Um, like, I don't know. It's kind of starting to hit me now that I'm down here. And, um, you know, like getting fitted for the seat today, you're like, holy shit, this is, this is real. Like, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> it's like, you know, Kyle Bush is like, it's Kyle fucking Bush. Like, right. It's Kyle Bush. Like, what are we talking about? You know, like, I'm just some kid from New Jersey, and here I am. I'm going to be in the same race as Kyle Busch. Um, and the real question is, what do I do when he gets to my back bumper if he tries to lap me? Oh, baby, I'm going to. I was going to. So I was going to ask, you know, what if you get to his back bumper? Oh. <laughs> what I wreck. What, what position is it for? Let's say it's for 10th. Like actual coming tenth. To the, like eleventh to tenth, tenth place. Tenth place coming to the checkered flag. Do I wreck rough Kyle him up Bush a for a top ten? Absolutely. Not wreck him. No, I'll, I'll wreck him. Move, move him. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're gonna you're gonna get the uh, you're gonna get the yeah. old fifty thousand oh dollar twenty five point that's fine. A, oh yeah, I'm gonna get the actual <laughs> detrimental treatment. Holy stop! Just stop saying bad things on podcasts, man. Yeah, sorry. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. That's on me. Yeah, you just, you, know, you got to rattle his cage. That's all you got to do. Yeah, right? Just yeah. rattle his cage a little bit. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I'll, I'll just go into the interview. And if they ask me what happened, I'll, I'll quote Dale Earnhardt at Bristol. I didn't mean to wreck him. I just meant to rattle his cage, you know, and then all will be well. Just like, Ryan, just like Ryan Priest this past weekend with yeah. Kyle Larson. I mean, just, as long as you just go, got loose. Just got loose. Don't get me started on that. As long as you well, so, and this is that actually, so Jordan, obviously we got Louvabella Wines. We got our Wine About It segment, which we haven't even touched yet. But right. my wine about it segment is going to be about that. So, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a chance to get started on that when we get there. <sighs> I'm looking forward to that. God. I'll wine. Can I, I'll, you want me to start off wine about it? I'll do it if you want. I can. Let's do it. Hey, Jordan, Jordan kick it. off the wine about it segment. Here we with go. Like your, your opening of the wine Let about me... it segment, and we'll give Malazi the first wine. I, I'll Absolutely. Stay, I'll definitely stay for wine about it. And then I probably have to get rocking because I I have an early morning yes, tomorrow sir. at AM racing. Got to get, got to keep mm-hmm. uh, working on that truck and get it right. An early AM at AM racing. I That's, see what you did there. I said the same thing to Josh this morning. Like that, I don't. So I had a sponsorship meeting. I'll tell you the day I've had, and then I'll go. This will be part of my wine about it. Then I'll go into the final point, I guess, of the end of my wine about it. I could wine all day. I can drink wine. I can wine. I can wine while I'm drinking wine, as long as it's uh, from our favorite Ohio. It's wine. the best. 
Um, it's the best part about drinking wine. Yeah, exactly. All right, Jordan, Jordan, hold on. Kick, kick, kick us off yeah, here right. with the, so this, the intro to the segment. This, this is officially Wine About It, presented by Luva Bella Winery, with special guest Stephen Malazzi, kicking it off with his Wine About It. So, so if you want a little insight to what it's like to be a, a small-time budget race car driver, this is it. Ready? So I've been all over the place. This past week and a half, I have been to Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Charlottesville, Pittsburgh, my hometown in New Jersey, and now I'm in Charlotte. Okay? I got an oil change nine days ago. I am 300 <laughs> miles overdue for my next oil change. Okay? Man. Nine days ago. By the way, I only get the primo shit because I drive a stupid-ass car, so it's like $147 in oil change. I should probably just do it myself. But that's not even what I'm whining about. So I go, I get, I get a great, I get a great offer to go to a Phillies game yesterday, and like it's a guy who does, um, he does the hospitality suites, and and could potentially be somebody who gets invested in NASCAR for that type of reason because NASCAR is great with the hospitality fan experience, mm-hmm. right? That's kind mm-hmm. of what our our bread and butter is. <clears throat> so I go and I'm hoping to get something out of it. I don't get anything. So it's that sucks. It's disappointing. Got to see a great game though. That was fun. It was a great time. However, I had to be down in Charlotte at 8 a.m. Had to be at RBR by 7:30 in the morning to go down to AM Racing this morning. So, do some math. The Phillies game. I left around 10:15. It's about an eight-hour drive. If I drove straight through, that would put me there at 6:15 in the morning. Now. I found out that my headshots were outdated. So I called a buddy in Charlottesville. We got to drive through Charlottesville, kind of, to get to Charlotte. I'm like, hey, you think you could do headshots for me at 2 in the morning? He's like, yeah. <laughs> so I go, I get some headshots done at 2 a.m., okay? I sleep for an hour. I set an alarm for 3.27. I get out of bed. I drive all the way to Charlotte in my pajamas. I have money ball on while I'm driving because I'm falling asleep and I need something to keep me up. I'm pretty sure that's illegal, and that's now the second thing I should admit to doing on a podcast so far. <laughs> but such is life. Such is life. We all made it. So um, uh, I got – I finally pulled into the shop driveway at, I think, 727 this morning on an hour of sleep. I get going. I pulled in. This is my friend's – I'm at a friend's house from my, my days back in Carding. I pulled into their driveway at 715 tonight. I chatted with them. I had dinner. I got situated. Um, I've been dealing with, you know, I, I think I mentioned I've been working on some stuff with the scheme to make sure it gets approved. I've had to tweet some stuff. I showered. I ate dinner. And then at 10, 15, I started working on getting on the podcast. <laughs> so we have been digging all day long. And you know what? It is, this is my, this is my ending whine about it. This is my whine. This is it. That wasn't whining. That was just me complaining. They're, they're different things. This is me whining. <laughs> <laughs> racing is so goddamn expensive it's ridiculous i i you know what if racing were like baseball i bet you 65 percent of the people like cheap cheap barriers to entry i bet you 65 percent of the field across all three nascar's top series would change i'd put my life hmm. that's my whine about it i don't know if i'd be in it my guess would be I don't know. Maybe I would. I have confidence in myself, but I can't be sure. 
But uh, <laughs> racing is too friggin' expensive and it's ridiculous. And that's what I have to whine about today. That's it. Thank you. That's a good whine about it. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, yeah. You know what? <laughs> I've been bitching about it for weeks. You guys knew I've been whining about it because I whined to you guys for some money. It's just like, uh, right. you know, all the times Corey LaJoy talked about, you know, the equipment differences between <laughs> him and top tier and, and how he could perform with good equipment. And, you know, there's always people that are on the opposite side that say, you know, it's not the equipment when I, okay. absolutely NASCAR is a full money game. Let me ask you a question. Let's say let's say we went out and we we drag race. Right. And I gave you one hundred and seventy thousand. And this is these are real numbers, but I'm not going to say what they represent. Let's say I gave you $170,000 to go buy a car, okay? Any car you wanted. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. you said to me, all right, you've got $30,000 to go buy a car. Just based purely off drag racing, okay? Just a straight line. We're going to see who can do a half mile fastest. Does it matter how good of a driver I am? Not really. No, no, it doesn't. Why? Because you... Don't need the, it's all, I mean, it's a half mile. It's a half mile. And you're going to be able to buy yeah. whatever freaking car you want. And right. I've heard, I've used this analogy before. And some people say it's kind of ridiculous. It's drag racing. You're talking about an oval. It's really not. It's the same premise, just expanded throughout all of racing. Everything is better the more money you have. Things run cleaner. Mm-hmm. You can hire more employees. You can hire better employees. You get more wind tunnel time. You can specialize this. You can yep. specialize that. Like, the struggles of being a budget race team as opposed to an extremely wealthy one are so undocumented in the sport. It's ridiculous. Sometimes I just don't think people realize how expensive racing is. And I feel like it's, I feel like that gap is even worse in the, in the truck series and the Xfinity series, you know, yeah. the cup it's kind of, it's kind of, it really has closed the gap a little yeah. bit, but truck yeah. truck and Xfinity, there is such a difference between these top teams and, and the, the lower teams. It's not even fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it begs the question, like, let's say, you know, you got, you were, you were blessed and got a million dollars in sponsorship. Well, what do you do? Do you try and run a full season with a small team and, you know, run 27th place most of the year, maybe, maybe 27th to 29th, or do you do five races with a big team? That's it. Five, maybe six, you know, with the crash clause, probably six, right? Like, and try and win one. Yeah. And hope for the best. Mm hmm. It's one of those things, man. My one about it's over. I'll listen to your two and then pop <laughs> it off. Go. I'll, uh, my wine about it is just going to be the dirt race on Bristol in general. And, you know, I, I spent, last week's episode talking about this, how awful I thought this race was going to be. And and it did nothing to sway me at all. I had no interest even watching this race. I watched probably half of it. I'll admit it. I didn't watch. I didn't even watch the ending of this race. I, this is such a gimmick race. I don't understand why NASCAR is taking this and, and putting it as such a serious race. Like, not to mention the whole thing and like the whole thing being a clown show. And then at the end of the race, not calling the caution with a car spinning out in the middle of the track, like the, the cameras Fox was focusing half the time on restarts, focusing on a giant hole that was forming in the middle of the turn. Like, what are we doing here? Why is this? Why are you trying to make this damn dirt race work? And then you not to mention. So then you, you, you listen to the interview with Kyle Larson and, one of the best dirt races out there. 
And he sits there and says, yeah, we probably shouldn't be running this race. The guy that has the biggest advantage in the field says we shouldn't be running this race because he thinks it's that much of a joke. Davenport, or I think that Jonathan Davenport, yeah. is that who yep. ran? He's, he literally said, this is a show, not a race. What the hell are we doing, NASCAR? Why are we letting this race play into and factor into the championship? Because it is. It, it, it's, it makes a huge difference. So... <laughs> So can I have God, a question? If we want to have an, an exhibition, race. do this. I was going to say, do this. That's great. That's fine. An Easter exhibition? Find a, a 36 race to add somewhere else. We're making a 35 race season. I don't know. But so, this should not. I don't think this should be a points-paying race whatsoever. So it's interesting no. then. So, that, so then I'll, I'll flip it around on you. I actually, I'll tell you. Uh, I'm going to say something controversial here. Okay? I don't think the Bristol Dirt Race is a good idea. But I very much enjoyed watching the racing when it was racing on Sunday. Uh, I agree with that. I actually, I was going to say, I thought the actual racing part was good. Like, was, was decent to good. Yeah. But I don't enjoy the every 15 laps we have a spin and some guy hits a pothole in the middle of the dirt and it causes things and, and somebody gets dirt in their engine and it causes. I just don't I don't enjoy that. Maybe that's for traditional dirt racing, that's fine or whatever, but I just don't it's not a NASCAR thing for me. So and, let me but I honestly I thought the racing was like the racing part of the racing was fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay with it not being a NASCAR thing too. I, I would say that my biggest question to flip around on you guys then would be if the problem is the lack of I guess if the problem is the chaos, right? The problem is the cautions every fifteen minutes and the interruptions and and the whatnot, then how the hell do you guys feel about Daytona Talladega sometimes? Like, I mean, we get yeah. those races. I get that point. Yeah, right. We get those races oh, yeah. every two or three years that are just, you can't ever get into a rhythm. It's every 20 laps, there's a big wreck. And it's just. Usually, though, usually, though, with those, it's the last 30 laps. It's most of the first or second stage these days have been fine. Yeah. But that third stage, you'll get a caution every 10, 20 laps in the third stage, and it just gets insane. Yeah. Yeah. Then I guess I guess I'll go one example further, and this is kind of gonna shit on myself here. What about the truck series as a whole? Because I'll give you this is this is something I've looked into, Nick, to try and decide uh, when I'm when I'm looking at pit strategy when you're gonna take tires. How many green flag runs over 20 laps do you think there have been in Martinsville in the past three truck races here? Uh, as a guess, yeah. uh, I'm gonna say single digits. Four. Four? It's less than yeah, four. four. Less than four in three races. <laughs> We've had less than four 20 lap look, green flag runs. The most astounding one wow. of last year's is last year's because um, there was not a single, I think there were there was like a 20 lap green flag run, but I didn't, I didn't count that because uh-huh. it's more than 20, right? <clears throat> right, right. Because that's more than 10% of the race. The only mm-hmm. green flag run that was longer than that was the end of the race. They went green from laps 164 to 200, and that was it. That was the only green flag run in the whole race that was more than 20 laps. So, like, I mean, do you hate Martinsville in the trucks then? Like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like it's an imperfect – the problem with racing is, right, this is – I am trying my best to be understanding of both NASCAR and the fan perspective and the driver perspective. Yes. Because I feel like I've, I've had a unique understanding of two of them and a semi-unique understanding of a third. 
<clears throat> the fans complained because I, I was one of them who just bitched and moaned and whined. I whined about <laughs> all the cookie cutter mile and a half we had five years ago. Oh, right, yeah. Years ago. Oh, it made me miserable. So now we start doing all this cool stuff where we go to Chicago Street Course and Bristol Dirt and we go to all these different random and Coda and all these random tracks and people are like, well, that's a shit show. That sucks. That was terrible. I'm like, well, what do you want? You want to go back to Kentucky twice a year? Because we can No, no. You want to go back to Chicagoland? Because everybody hated Chicagoland when it was around. I mean, I, 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 like I said, I have no problem with the dirt as an exhibition race. I just, I'm not there as a points paying race. Yeah. And honestly, a, a part of me, a part of me does agree. It feels kind of wrong to make it. If you want my take on it, and this is going to be, I think, a hot take. I really do. I would flip, I would flip the Coliseum and the dirt race. Yep. I would yep. make the Coliseum I agree with that. I agree. Race, I agree. And I would make Bristol Dirt a, an exhibition race for fun. But I, agree. I would also not do a dirt race at Bristol. Why would you do a dirt? What? What's the? I don't. I've never understood why we're doing it at Bristol. Like what? Uh, so the original the original reason was Bristol wasn't getting the attendance and it wasn't getting the TV number shit numbers for the first of the two races, the non night race, the you know the playoff or near not playoffs but close to the playoffs night race. Yeah. So that the, they wanted to change it up because it wasn't doing the attendance, it wasn't doing the TV numbers. So this is what they did. And to be honest, to be actually true, truthfully honest, it did pretty good TV numbers. I know it was down from last year, but down from 40 million to or 40, whatever it was, to 35 or four to three and a half million or whatever it was, it's still very good for NASCAR. It's one of the best viewed races of the year. Yeah. And was the second most viewed sporting event of the weekend aside from the mm -hmm. Masters. So yeah, and and obviously the Masters is the Masters. Uh but it was it it did well on TV, sadly, for those of us that don't want this to be, continue to be a thing. <laughs> uh, but that's why. I mean, that's why. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, to be fair, the racing itself has gotten better. 2021 was terrible. Oh, 2021. Absolutely horrible. Mm -hmm. the, the track was so dry and just dirt and dust everywhere. And you couldn't see. Last year was better. There was the issues with mud getting in the grill, which killed all the Stuart Hosfords right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, other than Briscoe. Um, somehow Briscoe is the one that didn't get affected by that, but the other three did, I'm pretty sure. And uh, so it was just a, just a weird, weird race. And, and thankfully we didn't have any, like, this guy got screwed by dirt getting in his grill, or this guy hit a <laughs> pothole and his car exploded. Like we didn't have that this year. We just had a lot of spins. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of spins, and and a lot of spins that you know they spun and they kept going. And uh, you know NASCAR at one point threw caution, but then they realized like, well, if this keeps happening, we can't throw the caution right away. So I actually think NASCAR they jumped the gun early, but they did it early in the race. And when they realized that kept happening, they realized they should just keep it green. Uh, so I think they got better as far as officiating it as the race went on from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So uh, you're the last one who has to whine about something. Yeah. Yeah. So my whine about it is uh, we're going to talk about that Ryan priest, Kyle Larson incident, because I don't, I don't know what NASCAR once like are you 
you want your drivers to have personalities. You want your drivers to be able to say what they want to say um, because that's good for the sport. If they're not like super vanilla, if they're not bland, if you know if they can form rivalries. But by doing what you did with Denny Hamlin, where he admitted the Ross Chastain thing on his podcast and then gets a penalty for money and points. Yeah. You've nerfed any ability for any driver to say they took matters into their own hands in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah, Ryan Priest, he didn't admit to intentionally retaliating to Kyle Larson, even though we all know he did. But that's because he cannot. He absolutely cannot admit to retaliation because look what happens when you do. You get Denny Hamlin. And Denny Hamlin, maybe he can afford the money. Maybe he can afford the points penalty. Ryan Priest cannot afford the points penalty as a driver that needs every point he could get to get into the playoffs, potentially, if he somehow finds himself on that bubble. Because we know he's not going to be in the top five or ten in points. He's not pointing his way in unless it's barely on the bubble. So he needs those points. He cannot admit he retaliated against Kyle Larson like Denny Hamlin admitted he retaliated against Ross Chastain. So yeah. I just think it's a really shitty situation that NASCAR has put the drivers in. They put in this box where they will take matters in their own hand, but then they can't admit it. And then they're all, so then the drivers just become liars and and people hate the drivers for lying. And it's just a really bad situation. I actually think I said something about this last year on Twitter that got a lot of heat when Bubba Wallace turned Larson. Um, And we are like, like obviously the Bubba situation was pretty extreme and it's dangerous, but we have seen it's been a part of our sport for a really long time. And like, it's been a, it's been a self-policing system pretty much entirely. Like the reason why you don't wreck someone in on purpose is because you don't want to get wrecked on purpose. And most people right. understand and don't respect other drivers who intentionally put people in danger for no reason. And like that lack of respect and that loss of respect alone is enough of a penalty on a racetrack not to do it. It's a huge detriment. So I find it weird that NASCAR is selecting now to get so involved with it. it it's like, what am I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, of a great example that would really hammer home the point, but I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I just I get Denny Hamlin admitted it, but at the end of the day, was that I, I had no problem with what he did to Ross Chastain. Like in terms of on track action, he didn't wreck him. In I don't even think I don't even think Ross had a problem with it. I like he did. Honestly, Ross kind of knew it was coming. <laughs> what what Ross Chastain did last year at Gateway was significantly what they did last year at Gateway between the two of them was way more dangerous and very clearly intentional. Yet we saw no penalty. I yeah. think I think the biggest thing here is the inconsistency inconsistency from NASCAR. Yeah. Not to mention the you know Colleg racing or not Colleg racing. Yeah, Colleg with the same exact penalty as Hendrick from Phoenix, and Hendrick's penalty is getting reduced and Colleg's not. What the hell? So, what is? I get I get they might I get they had a different appeals board. I get they probably had a different argument. But the fact of the matter is it was the exact same thing and. Hendrick got Hendrick got off. Colleg didn't. So I actually know some people who are pretty close to that situation. 
And okay. NASCAR is not happy that Hendrick got off. That was not like a Hendrick thing. And that's why I think there's going to be a lot. I think by the time next season rolls around, you could see some pretty severe revisions to the way that these appeals are handled. Um, mm. Because, like, I, no one no one disagrees. I mean, not even the sanctioning body disagrees. I, I, like, there's very little disagreement that the fact that colleagues' penalty was uh, was upheld, yet Hendricks was rescinded. And, and by the way, I think NASCAR, and I don't think they really did a good job at hiding it, I think they tried to rectify it. I think there is no way in hell they randomly pulled two Hendrick cars to R&D that just happened to have illegal things on them that resulted in a penalty that was, you know, of similar consequence to the one that just got reduced. So not I, to mention, yeah. then Hendrick d- decides not to appeal not to that one. Exactly. Tell, that tells me behind closed doors, they said, we're going to nail you and you're going to take it. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're going to get something out of this. Yeah. 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 So and it was and it was sixty it was sixty points because I think Haley got a twenty five point reduction, so it was seventy five. Yeah. So that puts it close enough to on par with Haley's at that point if you take the sixty from those two Hendrick cars. And they didn't take Kyle Larson's who won the race, but they took yeah. the other two non Chase Elliott cars, right? So yeah. and and to be fair, Bob actually answered my question because uh, I thought it was random still, and I was like you know, is there mm-hmm. any other stipulation? Like, do they need to be top 20? Do they need to be lead lap? He said, actually, there's no more randomness. They can just choose whoever it, they want now. Yeah. So they say they didn't they say randomly, they didn't random. randomly select. They didn't yeah. randomly select them. They intentionally selected them. And Bob even pointed out that the random part of that has gone away uh, in the past couple of years. He doesn't, he said he didn't even remember exactly when, but uh, the, it's no longer random. So those were yeah. intentionally chosen. So there, I, I, I don't know, you know, if, if, Truly, really, there is a wink, wink, nod, nod here, but it certainly feels like it. There, so, there is a wink. But you know, to 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 all of our to all of our points here, like uh, I'm not even mad at Ryan Priest, and, and say what you will about Ryan Priest. I know a lot of people don't like like Ryan Priest because he whines or this, that, or the other, or whatever. Um, but we whine, right? So I don't care. <laughs> but uh, so I, I don't really care about that part. He 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 literally just couldn't admit that he wrecked Kyle Larson. It yeah. would have been too detrimental. It would have been an action detrimental to himself to admit that. Yeah. And I actually feel bad for Denny Hamlin because I, like I despised Denny Hamlin for the first 20 years of my life. Okay. <laughs> and I, it sounds, sounds like, like everybody. <laughs> like how can you despise it? You're on a podcast called stacking Denny. Uh, on. <laughs> so I, I, but then, like, as he grew his social media presence and became much more open, like, like he he, he stopped kind of hiding behind the camera. Like, I think he realized, like, okay, I can just kind of say whatever I want and do whatever I want with inside perspective. And it's really refreshing, and I appreciate Denny Hamlin and the way that he acts sometimes. And, like, his podcast is freaking awesome. And I am so pissed off that NASCAR penalized him. Like that, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's been, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know. They didn't penalize uh, uh, Edwards when he just destroyed Keselowski at Gateway like 10 years ago, right? Or when, when Edwards. Or Atlanta. Or Atlanta <laughs> when Edwards just destroyed Keselowski again. Flipped him. <clears throat> like, there's no penalty there. Is it because he didn't? It, so we're penalizing based on intent? now like it's just it's crazy 
It's crazy. And the only way to determine intent is by admittance. So like, that would be no. okay. <laughs> well, but that's the thing is like even even Bubba last year didn't admit to intentionally wrecking Larson back. Yeah. Oh, I got loose. But, but you know, um, come on, like it. If you smell like alcohol and you're swerving <laughs> all over the roads, odds are you're drunk driving. Okay, like it's it's like imagine imagine that analogy, right? Like, what if we started? What if we started determining DUIs based on admittance? Like people who I, maybe that's a really dumb analogy. It might be stupid. It might be ridiculous. It, it probably it's it's a dumb analogy because. And I don't mean it in a mean way. It's a dumb analogy because then NASCAR would just start penalizing everybody. Like they'd penalize Priest, they'd penalize Hamlin yeah. before he admitted on the podcast. They'd they'd have penalized Lars. So we get penalties everywhere. Yeah. Based off of anything that looks like it could be intent. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you said, like the DUI <laughs> style thing. If you're if you're if Priest is swerving over and hits Larson, then he's guilty by swerving. Um, yeah. So. You know, then then we get into the area of are we Formula One where you penalize any contact based off of who's at fault, and, no. and they very rarely they do they do, but they occasionally give racing incidents. But by and large, they'll penalize drivers for for contact if it's their fault. So then, do we get to that point where NASCAR starts penalizing whose fault it is? I don't want that. That's not what I, I want. And, and we're that. getting in a little bit of a slippery slope there by this Hamlin thing. Okay, well, you admitted intent. And now Ryan Priest, obviously he did it. Obviously it was intentional. NASCAR knows that. We all know that. The whole world knows that. Yeah. Do you penalize Ryan Priest because he's not fessing up to it? Yeah. Tradition would say no, but NASCAR's view lately has been between Bubba Wallace and between Hamlin admitting it. Now, if you're intentionally doing it, you should get penalized. So now does NASCAR get into the area of, well, this is you did this on purpose, and even if you don't admit it, we're going to still penalize you. So it's a very slippery slope. Here. Yeah, and I don't like it. I don't like it. I just say stay at the top of the mountain. You know, like just, just let – I mean, like, listen, there are inherent risks of being a race car driver. And again, I, will die. I know that it's about safety. I know that it's about keeping people clean. At the end of the day – Nobody wants to hurt another driver, and nobody wants to get hurt. No. The odds that we – like, think about the amount of times – the reason why uh, Edwards turning Keselowski in Atlanta is so famous is because it's so unprecedented. We don't see people mm-hmm. right rear each – like, like just right hook people anymore. Or, I guess it's, it's a left hook in the right rear. Like, we don't see it happen yeah, yeah. Because, because it's stupid, and nobody wants to race that way. So, I, I, I don't know. In my eyes, it was something that NASCAR probably should have just kept their nose out of. And now you're right. They started skiing down the mountain. And how the hell do you stop? And where do you stop is the question. So, yeah. There it is. There's our there's our wine about it. A triple wine about it this week. Yeah. Thanks to Stephen Malazzi appearing on the podcast. Yeah. Yep. And as always, thank you to Luvabella for sponsoring this segment of Wine About It. Uh, you can ch- check them out, try their wines in several states, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, West Virginia, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia. I think they're expanding soon. You can also buy them online um, and in all the big stores. So make sure you check them out as they make this um, this segment possible. And thanks again, Stephen, for joining us uh, on this episode. And good luck at Martinsville this weekend. I can't wait to be there. Of course, make sure you guys all tune in to see the Stacking Denny's Floor Take the Checkered Flag Friday, 7.30 p.m. on FS1. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I got it.
I, I got one more comment here. So what? since what? I can't be there, since I can't be there, <laughs> uh, you know, make sure you get Corey LaJoy and, and Denny Hamlin to, to sign the truck. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. If I could find, that would be awesome. I could find one of them, I'll do it. I'll be like, hey, listen, listen. Like, it's stacking Denny. You gotta sign the damn truck. <laughs> Maybe I'll tweet. You so. know what? This is a good idea. We should all tweet at them after, after we're done on this podcast. I uh, I can't. Denny Hamlin blocked me. That's pretty freaking funny. <laughs> Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin used to follow me, but uh, he unfollowed me when I was a little too tweet happy around the 2016 election. <laughs> uh, oh baby. Oh baby. Well, I'll, I guess that leaves me. Maybe I'll tweet that, Denny. I'll do it right now. So, all right, there you go. guys. So. Uh, he he didn't he didn't block me. He just uh, he, he yeah. called me. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. I don't I don't blame him. I don't blame him one bit. I don't blame him at all. I honestly don't know why people follow me on Twitter. Honestly, it's uh, yeah. I don't really know either. I don't I don't know why I follow you. On Twitter. I don't. Well, I would hope you know why you follow me on Twitter. Um, like sometimes I just tweet dumb shit, but I feel like I'm funny. Like I, I laugh at my own tweet. My tweet of me at the Phillies game, I felt like was hilarious. <laughs> that was that awesome. Good. By the way, uh, it is uh, your Stephen Malazzi's Twitter is at Driver Malaz, M A L L O Z Z. Make sure you're following him on Twitter. If you aren't, he's super uh, for real, though. For real, all truth, all honesty. You're a very nice guy, very smart UVA grad. Um, so yeah, you know, very very proud of you. Very proud of what you're doing with your career, and and we're happy to support you. Thank you, boys. Appreciate it. Jordan, I'll see you yep. soon. Absolutely. See you when I get to Martinsville or sometime. Nick, have fun in St. Pete. Yes, sir. Adios. Yep. See ya. All right. We already talked about it a little bit, but we have to recap Bristol Dirt, unfortunately. Let's do this quick. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Christopher Bell in victory lane at Bristol Dirt. Let me pull up the standings here or the results here. Yeah, Christopher Bell over Tyler Reddick. Austin Dillon had a strong run. Like you know, he was a, he was a top five contender last year. Ended up started second, finished third in this race. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Chase Briscoe rounding out the top five. Then it got interesting. Justin Haley, who I know we were both on for DFS purposes, mm-hmm. uh, he ended up finishing sixth. Todd Gilliland with another solid run. The guy's got like four straight top fifteens now. He finishes eighth. Truex is in there in seventh. Missed him. Uh, Kevin Harvick, who was garbage at every single Bristol Dirt race before this, comes home nine. And Ty Gibbs gets another top ten. Uh, that's just another reason why I hate Bristol Dirt. But um, no surprise, uh, you know, Chris. Chris <laughs> no, no surprise. Christopher Bell, Ty, Tyler Reddick. There, uh, you know, two of the best cars all night. We we definitely expected those guys, Chase Briscoe and then Kyle Larson, of course, to be very strong in this race. And that's who the true contenders were in this race. Kyle Larson, uh, you know, he had he had that issue. He led seventy five laps. 
but uh, did end up finishing 35th after his issues. Um, Kyle Busch was another car that was strong. I don't remember exactly what happened to him. He ended up finishing 32nd. But, uh, but yeah, like, you know, one thing you can say about this Bristol dirt race is that it gives the opportunity for some of these guys like a Todd Gill and to really, cause he has a dirt background, you know, and, and as much as, you know, some drivers said this, this last week that, you know, dirt racing experience didn't necessarily, or maybe didn't necessarily help them. But the fact of the matter is, you know, Christopher Bell, very good on dirt. He won the race, Todd Gill in top 10. Um, you know, we've seen Bubba Wallace do really well on dirt. I, I think he won. Did he win the first Eldora truck race? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. 2014 uh, or 15, something like that. Yeah. He ended up finishing 12th. Um, but yeah, you know, JJ Yaley, he was great in his heat race, started third. I know we had him bet 50 to one to get a top 10. He ended up finishing 20th, but, um, you know, it, it, and even Ty Ty Dillon, who's that car has been absolutely garbage this year. He comes home twenty first, and it was a legitimate run. Like he was, he was legitimately running in the top ten at certain points in that race. So uh, yeah. that's one thing about Bristol Dirt that I I will uh, maybe give it a positive is that it's a bit of an equalizer for some of these lower teams. You know, the guys like Justin Haley, Todd Gill, and that get them another good run. But um, yeah, what you what do you think? I I know, I don't. I, I don't care. I, honestly, you know, <laughs> exactly. I think the main takeaway here is, uh, so obviously we have that 60-point penalty to Alex Bowman, and without it, he would be second now in the standings behind mm-hmm. the race winner, Christopher Bell, who is now the championship leader and would be the championship leader even without the Alex Bowman penalty. Christopher Bell, aside from his two DNFs, has finished top six in every race. So he is... The man to beat this year, honestly. He's and he's shown more upside than Bowman, let's be real. Now, Bowman would have had a very good finish. Uh, I think he was running around top 10 when shit hit the fan late as well. Uh, so nothing of his own fault there. Uh, but yeah, I'm pissed at Chase Briscoe for fucking my betting day over by dumping Blaney. And then I think that caused Bowman to have issues. And I had both of them head-to-head against Keselowski. And somehow Keselowski, who was absolute trash all day, uh finishes wherever he wherever he finished uh i can't even find him in the standings here there he is seven finish 17th a very flattering 17th for brad keselowski uh let's be real there so he was not a 17th place car by any means so <laughs> that's you know that's how it goes chase briscoe has has absolutely just straight up dumped somebody two years in a row uh late in the race that's kind of what he does he's just he's an overly aggressive driver and Obvious and a lot of times overly aggressive for no reason. Like I understand he was going for the win last year at Bristol Dirt, but yes, there are other times that he's just way too aggressive. But as you said, Christopher Bell is on top of the standings, uh, leads the way along with Alex Bowman with six top tens. Uh, also leads the way with five top fives and finally got that first win. Another thing, you know, I tweeted out a couple weeks after Coda, after Tyler Reddick won Coda, that uh, Reddick and Bell had combined to win seven of the last 25 cup races. They now have combined to win eight of the last 27. 29.6% of the last 27 races have been won by either Tyler Reddick or Christopher Bell. Um, definitely seeing that... Uh, the youth really the the young drivers the young guns really shining now and and like you said Christopher Bell like obviously he had a great season last year kind of a breakout season but this this one's feeling even better um definitely and I know I I think I saw Greg Mathurin tweet that he he took Bell 12 to 1 to win the championship I honestly don't hate that 
you know, I, I know we don't like you and I, neither of us like uh, making futures bets, you know, this long in, in, into the season, but I feel like 12 to one for bell um, is definitely, I mean, we know what he can do on short flat tracks like Phoenix. Yeah. And he could win. Um, I mean, he could win this week at, at Martinsville again. He's the, he's the defending winner here at Martinsville. I will. The only thing I'll point out is Christopher Bell, you know, Phoenix maybe hasn't been his best track of all the short flats, right? He finished sixth this year, which is worst non-DNF finish this year. Finished 10th last year, which was third, I believe, in the championship because of Chase Elliott's issues that he had. But 10th isn't great. You know, I mean, those those four championship drivers typically finish one through four or, or very close to it. And he finished 10th. Uh, earlier Phoenix last year, he finished 26. Obviously he had a spin and a flat tire at some point, but year before that two ninth place finishes at Phoenix. So a little concerned, but if he does make the championship four, he's not going to be worse than four to one, three to one and whatever. So it's just a question of, does he make the championship four? the based off his consistent consistency this year? Yes. But, uh, you know, it, it, it remains to be seen. So I just, I don't really like betting championship futures unless I'm getting super good odds. Like I right. we got with Ross 50 or 60 and like we got with Blaney and Truex at 24 and 18 or whatever it was, uh, right before the Daytona cutoff. Cause we could guarantee one of them would have been in and with them being in, they would have been better than 16 to 1 because it would have been better than the average driver in those playoffs, most likely. So, especially given all the oddball winners we had last year. So, uh, I am not on it, but I don't disagree with Greg. I think it's fine. I just don't want to tie up my money that long on a 12 to 1 who, you know, in it's a long season, man. We know everything changes after about 10, 12, 13 races. How are things going to change when? Maybe Penske starts hitting their stride, figuring out what they need to do to make their cars better at these ovals. It's still very early in the season, so um, not not again. I'm not a, a disagreeing with Greg's bet at all. It's just not a bet I'm going to make myself. But mm-hmm. the point is, bets aside, the point is Christopher Bell right now absolutely should be uh, in contention for the odds-on favorite, and at twelve to one, he's he's not there. So by that metric. You know that's that's definitely a good bet. Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, it's it's relatively early in the race season, but at the same point, when we get done with Martinsville this weekend, we're a quarter of the way through this season. We're mm-hmm. we're going to be nine races in out of thirty six. That's that's a that's a quarter. Uh, and I, I like I said, I hate to give this guy credit, but uh, looking at the drivers with the most top tens this season, Ty Gibbs now has four in a row, which which ties him for third or fourth most in the series i don't like that i will say every single one of those top tens has been i wouldn't say lucky but but better than he ran Mm -hmm. um you know three ninths and a tenth and all of them he was not a top 10 car so he's he's had some good finishes but i don't think he's run as well as those finishes uh have been but hey sometimes that's part of it i mean that's what kevin harvick does when he doesn't have a good car he he has an eighth place car and he finishes fourth or fifth, right? Uh, he has a twelfth place car, he finishes sixth. So there's nothing wrong with that. Kudos to Ty Gibbs, as much as I hate saying that, for that. But you're right, four straight top ten finishes. Yep. 
And it, it's pretty noteworthy that he has one stage top 10 in those races, and it was a 10th in the second stage at Richmond. So, yes, he's getting these top 10 finishes, but he's not running well by any means. Um, but, you know, that's that's what it takes, and, and it's it's what's going to show up. You know, as a as a rookie, it's, it's still a solid run that he's having right now. So I have to give credit where credit's due as much as I don't want to. But, uh, you know, like I said, Christopher Bell, Alex Bowman leading the way in top tens. Kevin Harvick has five. And then there's just a mess of guys with four or three. Uh, you know, Chastain, Gibbs, Logano, Kyle Busch, Reddick, all with all with four. Reddick is doing Reddick things. He has four top tens that are also five, uh, top fives as well. But uh, looking at, you know, the playoff points and overall points, I don't think this is updated. This is showing Byron with 15, and I don't think that's including the penalty. Yeah, Byron has negative five playoff points. Oh, sorry, Bowman has negative five. Byron has 10 playoff points. There we go. Yeah. Um, Larson was seven still. Reddick was seven. Logano was six. Bell, Kyle Busch, Stenhouse all with five. Um, so nobody really, you know, with that penalty from Byron, like he was pulling away, uh, isn't really pulling away anymore. Yeah. I have an interesting prop bet for you. Does Alex Bowman go into the playoffs with negative playoff points? That would be, uh, it would not surprise me because he doesn't win stages and he's, I, he's he the only way he's going to win a race. playoff points is if he wins. That would be interesting. That's a that's a fun prop bet, and I guess we should set it either plus or minus like a half or negative a half. Uh, uh, you know, for the the true line. Uh, let's say, let's say, I mean, it's basically does he win a race? So that would be negative half. But does he win a race in a stage? Would be plus a half. So I'm gonna set it at plus half a, a playoff point over or under. What we also have to consider, though, is does he do they get another penalty? <laughs> Which I wouldn't be point. out of this world for them to, no. to get another penalty. Okay, yeah. this is officially what I'm rooting for. You remember last year I, I was rooting for so many different uh, winners in the playoffs that we had. Someone got kicked out even though they won. I am now rooting yeah. for Alex Bowman to go into the playoffs with negative playoff points and still have the best average finish in the series because right now he has the best average finish in the series. Yes. That yes. would make my year. That would be incredible. Uh, and he would, based off of what we've had so far this year with winners, um, you know, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six different winners in seven races, if, if my math is correct. Yeah. Six different, different winners, winners in. Sorry, seven and eight races. Um, yeah. So my math wasn't correct. But uh, we're on pace for another year where Ross Chastain hasn't won a race. Kevin Harvick hasn't won a race. Martin Truex Jr. hasn't won a race. Uh, Ryan Blaney hasn't won a race. Alex Bowen obviously hasn't run a race. Denny Hamlin hasn't won a race. So those are all like the heavy hitters. And then there's mm -hmm. guys like Daniel Suarez, Ty Gibbs, Eric Jones, Bubba Wallace, all guys, Austin Dillon, guys that won races last year that could always sneak one in. Keselowski. Um, and, you know, Keselowski didn't win a race last year, but he's sitting ninth in the standings right now. Absolutely mm -hmm. could win a race. Chase Busher, Sendrick. Yeah. Yep. Busher. So Sendrick won a race last year. So, you know, we're, 
we're in another situation here where it's setting up to be a very interesting playoff scenario, especially with these Hendrick penalties. Uh, it would be, I think it would be the first time ever. I think. I'm not, I'd have to go back and look because I, I just thought of this, but if Bowman makes the playoffs and he has negative playoff points, I think it'd be the first time that ever happens. I think it would be. Negative I, playoff points starting the playoffs. I, I feel like that'd be pretty noteworthy if it happened before and, and man, that'd be awesome. I am so rooting for that. That would be <laughs> just so good. Uh, but you know, any other takeaways you have for the from the standings or the dirt race before we get into crunching numbers for Martinsville? Mm, no, I mean it's the dirt race. I don't think it has too much of an impact on the rest of the season. But you mm-hmm. know, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. sitting there, thir- not thirteenth in the standings, another fourth place finish for him. He has three top seven finishes this year, which I think. Uh, for him, is a great start to the year. Obviously, he won the Daytona 500, but last year, looking at his top seven finishes, he had two. So he's already topped last year's top seven finishes. Yeah, he's actually ran really, really well because 19th or better in uh, six of the eight races. He had that issue at Richmond, but he had a like he was making good time at Richmond. He could have easily pulled off a top mm-hmm. 10 in that race. Uh, his only yep. real clunker was his best track at, at Vegas, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know what, I don't remember what happened there, but they just weren't that great. Uh, but every other race, you know, Stenhouse has been, I wouldn't say great, but definitely overperforming what we're used to with him. Yeah, for and, sure. And, so, and once again, all, uh, you know, going off of that, um, the, the front row motorsports guys, I can't stop talking about those guys. Yep. So last year, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., after eight races, had 111 points and was 28th in the standings. Now he has 194 points, nearly double. Massive, yeah. And is 13th in the standings. So uh, just goes to show, after eight races, how much better he has done this year. But that's that's the only other thing I kind of wanted to throw out there was Stenhouse's had big improvement from last year. And, and even in the races where he didn't do as well as last year, they've been close. 21st at Vegas last year, 24th this year. 10th at Auto Club last year, 12th this year. The only, like you said, the only bad one was Richmond, but he was running really well before shit hit the fan uh, through no fault of his own as well there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going back to uh, the front row guys, you know, obviously Mike McDowell had a great, great year last year. Gilliland was, you know, he showed flashes here and there, but, uh, you know, Gilliland came into the season and he learned that he was going to be splitting time in that 38. He went over to, to Rick Rare Racing for uh, the Phoenix race earlier this year. Since then, he has not finished worse than 15th. And I understand there's a lot that goes into that. There's some luck. But uh fact of the matter is 15th at Atlanta, 10th at Coda, 15th at Richmond, and now 8th at Bristol Dirt. Just it, it's awesome to see Gilly Gang run like that, and and McDowell, you know, we talked about him extensively last year. I, he was one of my favorite drivers last year. Uh, once again, he's doing the exact same thing. His average finish this year is sixteen point eight. It's right where he was last year, and you know, since Phoenix, he was thirteenth at Phoenix, which he sucked at Phoenix. He was so bad at Phoenix that was a very good run for him. Twenty first at Atlanta, twelfth at Coda, sixth at Richmond, another trick that he has been awful at, uh, and then eleventh at Bristol Dirt. So. Just like, you know, our guest, Stephen Malazzi, we're always rooting for these underdog drivers to to do well. And it's it's awesome to see a, 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 an organization like Front Row Motorsports uh, continue to do well uh, week in and week out, you know, whether luck's involved or not. They're getting the finishes, and that's all that matters. Yep. 
Definitely. Uh, so, you know, it's it's not quite what we saw last year with the parody of the next gen car, but it's still very close. Um, mm-hmm. Still getting all these very strong finishes by some of these underdog teams. So, uh, it's another you know another interesting fun year where we have in store. I mean, Todd Gillen, like you said, four straight top fifteen finishes, but he's still twenty third in the standings. Playoff or not playoff stage points, I think. Are going to be a huge factor. Like, look at Ricky Stenhouse Jr. again, thirteenth in the standings, but he only has thirteen stage points. If he had, if he had thirty-three stage points, right, twenty more stage points, which is what uh, Ryan Blaney has, he'd be ahead of Ryan Blaney in the points. He'd be tenth in the standings instead of thirteenth. So, stage points are going to start mattering, especially if more drivers rack up wins. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. ain't safe yet, uh, so he needs to grab some extra stage points here. I think is is what I think their main goal is. If they can't, they don't have a race-winning car, they need to start focusing on some stage points uh, and balancing stage points with finishes, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, It's definitely going to be interesting to see, you know, if we get... I don't think we're going to get a surprise winner here at Martinsville, but uh, there's definitely some opportunities coming up. I mean, Taldega's coming up, I think, next. I think it's the next race. We could very easily get, uh, you know, eight different winners here early on in the season. Uh, and we could get an eighth di- different winner this week. You know, Ryan Blaney's very good here. Chastain could win it. You know, even Truex or somebody. Uh, Joey Logano Legano- already won, but um, Hamlin. There's some Ham. Denny Hamlin can win this race. Um, Bowman, yeah. There's there's drivers yeah. that can win this for sure. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, that's gonna that's gonna launch us into uh, talking about Martinsville now because you and I both like Martinsville. You know, it's. Yes, I think it's also it's an awesome race. I didn't realize, and I forgot that the first race last year, and then this this race as well, is only 400 laps. I'm so used to Martinsville being 500 laps, like it's just like stuck in my head. This race is only 400 laps, which you know, you think yeah, it's not a huge difference. It actually is. 100 less laps at Martinsville definitely changes the strategy and 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 makes starting position even more important um, and and track position overall. But uh, as far as you know, betting odds. Books are kind of they they have like basically the same uh, drivers out there that they have as the favorites. Uh, some of them might uh, you know be a little bit different, but for the most part, Kyle Larson, William Byron, Christopher Bell. Uh, you can throw in Denny Hamlin there as well as as the favorites, and then you know we get further into you know the Truexes, the Loganos, the Blaney's. The, here's the thing about Martinsville, and and if you've if you've analyzed this track for any length of time. We talk about the predictability of Richmond. We talk about the predictability of Phoenix. I feel like Martinsville is on a very similar level. There are guys that are just good here every single time. And unless they hit the wall or unless they hit someone else, they're going to be up front. Like this is just there back when Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson were, you know, in their heyday at Hendrick Motorsports, you could always count on them at Martinsville and Dover. Like it, they were just oh they're always going to be good there they're always going to contend for the win so is this a week this is this is definitely not a week to be uh you know looking i don't think so for any long shots if we're betting anybody this week and and i'm pretty sure you haven't had any outright bets this week i know i haven't had any outright bets this week uh because books have gotten sharper this year but uh are we looking at anyone past these you know these main favorites this main core of favorites that could potentially play spoiler here at martinsville or is is this the same group of guys that that we're looking for so i think there's a very clear top seven it's the seven you mentioned in in whatever order larson byron 
um, Bell. I think those are probably a consensus top three. Hamlin, Hamlin, Logano, Truex, and Blaney are a consensus four through seven in whatever order. Uh, you know, you could argue Hamlin maybe in that top four rather than the four through seven. So, uh, but but the whole point is, I think there's a consensus top seven. But after that, it gets a little murky. You know, you've got. Kyle Busch, Ross Chastain, Kevin Harvick, and Alex Bowman, I think, uh, and maybe Tyler Reddick as the next five that you could throw into a top 12 in some order. So I did actually bet Kyle Busch 16-1 at Westgate when uh, mm. he actually opened at 14 there, I believe. Dropped to 16 as some other guys got bet. I know Ryan Priest got bet down. Uh, I know Josh Berry got bet down. And Westgate being the good book they are, Superbook, um, bumped kyle bush from 14 to 16 so i took him 16 to 1 there uh kyle bush has two wins since he broke his leg at martinsville uh and it you know, came back in the 2015 race so 16 17 18 19 20 21 22 um so 15 last 15 races he has two wins um which at martinsville so you know that's one out of every seven and a half so you'd need plus 650 if those were his long-term odds so i felt like 16 was a little long obviously things are a little different it's not exactly 650 i mean he's not as good as he was then and he's in a different team but i still feel like 16 to 1 was pretty solid value for for kyle bush but you're right it's it's gonna come from those favorites or maybe that second tier uh obviously we saw alex bowman win a couple years ago or yeah two years ago uh, mm-hmm. as a, I think he opened 30 to one. And I think live we got him. PJ and I got him 40 to one. Um, so it's possible you get somebody in that next tier. I think after those next, after those 12, then you're looking at maybe a Brad Keselowski, uh, <laughs> type, type driver in there as well in the mix. You know, he had a pretty strong run last year. Uh, and I think there's some outside contenders, uh, Bubba Wallace, uh, Austin Dillon had a third place finish last year. Certainly Ryan priest. We can't not mention him given how good he was at the clash, given how good he was at the dirt race, you know, the two very shorter tracks and that's his background is short track racing and how well Cole Custer did in that car last year, both races, uh, stage finishes, etc. had bad finishes, but ran a lot better than his finishes showed and now priest is in that who may arguably more talented than cole custer at these tracks so while there's a i think a top tier of seven maybe a next tier of five and then a few other drivers that i think of a very outside shot that's pretty much it yeah uh one one interesting note this week uh is chase elliott obviously isn't back from his injury yet and just how good that car has been now he doesn't have the particularly the finishes to show for it last three finishes 10th 10th and 16th but the fact of the matter is chase has led 185 laps or more in three of the last five races at martinsville he's finished first or second in all each of the last six stages here uh is josh barry a guy that could uh come in and you know take that race car and, and do something with it I, yeah, absolutely, and and I neglected to leave him or to put him in there, and that was a, that was a mistake. He he he's one of those outside shot type guys, I would say. Um, but I'm definitely not betting hard. at twenty been, to one. No, no, not at twenty. At fifty, sixty, maybe. Um, but it's just it's so hard for these young guys, and and I know he's not young in terms of age, but like just experienced guys. I mean, look at Jonathan Davenport coming in uh, or look at Raikkonen and Button coming in. Like these guys in their main discipline are still finishing mid-pack. And 
Josh Berry, I know, has been running an Xfinity car for, for several years, but he still hasn't been running a ton of cup. Neither has Ty Gibbs, who uh, led the most laps of both Martinsville races last year in the Xfinity series, but I haven't even thrown him in there as a an outside shot type guy. So I think it's just so hard in these cars at if you don't have a ton of experience in these cars to be a, a guy that's going to be in the mix for the win. I, th- I know, obviously, Josh Berry was in the mix for a Richmond win, but that was very strategic uh, in terms of how he got there. So uh, I think there's less opportunity for strategy to come into play at Martinsville, much less than Richmond, where tires obviously become a huge factor, etc. And that's just something to keep an eye on uh, when it comes to Josh Berry this week. You know, he's 20 to 1 at DraftKings, and the longest you can get him is 22 to 1 right now, which to me is just insane. Like, ain't, like ain't said, worth it. He finished, he finished second at, at Richmond, which is great. And people are going to, uh, and I'm looking, I'm now looking at this from a DFS perspective. People are going to be clinging on to that. They're going to be clinging on to his top 10 at Phoenix, not realizing that those races, there was not legitimate runs. And they're going to say, oh, he won it. He won the Xfinity race in, at Martinsville in 2021. He's in, uh, what's arguably been, or what's been the best car at Martinsville for the last three years in Chase Elliott's car. Great pick. I'm I'm still going to be, uh, you know, it was my whine about it last week. I'm still probably not going to be on Josh Berry this week because this is uh, this is such a hard race to get ahead on strategy because track position matters so much that the strategy is just keep your track position. So there's no way you're going to gain track position late in the race because people aren't just going to come in and pit with 50 to go. They're just going to stay out and keep their track position. So it eliminates that ability that they had at Phoenix or at Richmond to game the system a little bit it makes it actually a lot harder because he was not a top 10 car at either of those races was he a top 20 car yeah probably you know 14th to 19th i'd say or something in, in both those races ballpark uh give or take a little bit but he wasn't a top 10 car he obviously pulled off two top 10 finishes including a second but those both of those were a little bit, you know, game the system air quote. Uh, but it's a much, much, much longer chance of being able to game the system at Martinsville. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy I want to talk about is Kyle Larson because you know he finished second here last fall. Um, he's really not that great at Martinsville though, and never really has been. He only has two races, or three races ever with a driver rating over a hundred. Um, and, you know, yes, he led 68 laps here in last fall. He led 77 laps here the fall race prior. He also started on the pole in those races. When he doesn't start on the pole, he doesn't do that well. He has uh, three top fives and in, in 16 career starts here, uh, only four top tens in 16 career starts here. Am I going to sit here at the same point? You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that Kyle Larson shouldn't be one of the co-favorites because of how fast uh, Hendrick Motorsports is this week. Uh, or this season, but uh, that's someone I think definitely people might have the propensity to over, uh, not overreact, but um, be a little bit more confident than how good he actually is at this racetrack. Yeah, no, he's a really interesting fade candidate because models, my model loves him. My model makes him the favorite. Uh, I believe Jim Sonis's model makes him the favorite, uh, certainly top two or three, uh, based off what I've been talking with Jim this week. Um, Chris Pinnell, 
Uh, I'm looking at his model right now, and he has Kyle Larson as the second favorite behind Byron. So mm-hmm. all the models have him first or second. Uh, I'm, I'm quite sure Jim's is first and, and at worst second. So all the models, mine, my own, has him first or second. But you're right. If Kyle Larson doesn't start on the pole, he doesn't lead. He has led 180 laps at Martinsville in 16 races. So that's an average just over 10 per race, 11 or 12 per race. But when he doesn't start on the pole in 12 races, he has led, or sorry, in 13 races, he has led 12 laps. So it's less than one per race, one lap per race when he doesn't start on the pole. Now, uh, obviously two of those pole efforts were in 2021, 2022 with Hendrick. So it's not a perfectly fair deal here, but he, in his five Hendrick races, he's either led zero laps or he started on the pole and led laps. So, um, uh, sorry, I should say four Hendrick races. Uh, he's either led zero laps, not starting on the pole. Uh, that includes an eighth and a 19th place start where he started on the pole and uh, led an average of 72 and a half laps, but still only finished an average of eighth place in those two races he started on pole, finished an average of 12th place in those two races he did not start on pole. Two top fives in four races with Hendrick. So certainly as a top five contender. Uh, is Should he be the race favorite for the win? Or second, based off what we've seen this year from Phoenix and Richmond, possibly? But man, track history matters a lot at Martinsville. We see this with Tyler Reddick. Um, and you know we see this with other drivers. Eric Almarola, not as good at Martinsville as he is at some of the other short flats, for example. Um, Kevin Harvick, not as good at Martinsville as he is at some of the other short flats. So track history definitely matters. And when I ran my model, um, number one factor was current form, which very much boosts Larson, uh, Byron, etc. But tied, almost exactly tied in weight for second and third were Martinsville form and short flat form. So it, it depends on, you know, if short flat form ends up playing out to be better, then yeah, Larson and Byron should be um, pretty heavily favored. But if Martinsville form ends up playing a little more, then it's probably should be Byron favored uh, with Larson maybe in that third or fourth or fifth place range, in my opinion. So uh, potential fade opportunity on, on Kyle Larson here for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially you know head-to-head bets because he's probably going to be a favorite in most head-to-heads. And you know if, if if we're getting him with with another driver that's you know equally looks equally as fast and has a little bit better track record, you know I I could definitely see betting against Kyle Larson this week. A couple of guys that have really good track records here at Martinsville specifically that have somewhat struggled on the short flat tracks so far this season: Penske cars of Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney and full disclosure yep if you guys remember from 2 years ago 2021 biggest bet of my life Ryan Blaney top 10 at Martinsville I thought it was a slam dunk FanDuel had it like minus 110 or something and I just nailed yeah. it um he finished 11th that's when I almost stopped betting for forever but uh <laughs> I'm going I'm, I'm going back to the well I'm going back. Uh, I'm thirsty. I'm going back to the well. Caesars opened up Logano and Blaney at minus 150 for a top 10. And my initial gut was, okay, I'm putting 750 bucks on Logano, and I'm calling it a day because Ryan Blaney is still dead to me. But uh, my brain took over a little bit and said, I need to split this up. Went 375 on each. 
if you don't hear from me on Stacking Denny's next week, it's because both these guys finished outside the top 10 because I will officially be done with NASCAR betting, with NASCAR fantasy, with everything. If these, if both of these guys do not finish top 10, I'm, I'm saying it now. I am done. Absolutely done. But as I said, they both have very good track records here at Martinsville. Believe it or not, out of current, uh, all current drivers, Ryan Blaney has the best average finish, even better than Jimmy Johnson. Uh, Ryan Blaney, 9.7. Jimmy Johnson, 9.9. Now, obviously, Johnson has nine wins here. Blaney has zero. But uh, Joey Logano, fourth best average finish at Martinsville, 11.5. Again, only one win, but these guys know how to get top fives, top tens at this racetrack. Typically run well, but like I said, Ryan Blaney and Joey Logano have not looked great on the tracks that they should be looking great on this year, which would be Phoenix and Richmond earlier this year, which has me concerned with these bets a little bit, but I couldn't pass up those minus 150. I, there was 0% chance I was passing those up, and thankfully I got in because soon after I bet those, uh, tracked them in the, the Action app. But no, by the way, make sure you follow Nick and I on the Action app if you're not already. Um, they moved. I, I think Blaney moved to minus 250. Logano moved to minus 200. So um, definitely I, I'm confident in the bets, but at the same time, if, uh, if Caesars would offer me a cash out, right now in a guaranteed percentage profit, I'd probably take it. That's how I'm feeling about these bets right now. Just because I have PTSD from Ryan Blaney's 11th place finish a couple years ago when I had him top 10. Yeah, I, I, I can't argue with those bets. I mean, if you look at their statistics, those guys have been just rock solid at Martinsville. And, and you, you say average finish, but I think the more important thing is to look at median finish because that's right where 50% of your finishes are. Uh, so if we look at, at Ryan Blaney at Martinsville, he's had 14 starts. So his median finish, the finish he's been better than 50% of the time is six and a half. Uh, so half the time he's better than six and a half, you know, and, and you're betting top 10. So definitely well above, um, you know, 50% top 10 finishing odds. Now, if I go over to Joey Logano, uh, obviously his career has been a little bit longer, so we're going to uh, switch it up here with him. Joey Logano at Martinsville has 16 top 10 finishes in 28 career starts. So if we look at his median, his median is eight and a half. So not quite as good as Ryan Blaney's, but he also has a bigger sample size. So we can be more confident in his. So uh, Joey Logano is certainly with um, a, a very solid chance. And a lot of that was earlier in his career. He wasn't as good. So if we mm -hmm. just take, we just take his Penske career uh, stats, he has 14 top 10 finishes in 20 races, which is a 70% ratio. And you got him at minus 150, which is 60% implied odds. So you have a 10% edge there just based off of this Penske record. And if we look again at his median finish, uh, his median six and a half with, with Penske, which is the same as Ryan Blaney's career median. And that includes, you know, a couple of Wood Brothers races there for Ryan Blaney. So certainly some good bets there. And while we're at it, I made a top 10 bet as well. It wasn't on Ryan Blaney or Joey Logano. Uh, and you actually texted me, am I crazy, right, about Blaney and Logano, mm -hmm. like dumping my whole bankroll. And I, 
I gave you the you know the the Phoenix and Richmond spiel, um, which I don't know if that helped tone tone the uh, the efforts down on not dumping the bankroll, but but um, you know certainly there is that to consider. But my top ten bet was Kyle Busch, and if we look at Kyle Busch's career since Loop Data started in two thousand five, uh, he has twenty one top ten finishes in thirty five races, which is a sixty percent ratio. So 60% is minus 150 would be fair odds. So that's very important. A 60% ratio. And he was minus 120. I got him top 10. And for his career, he's a minus 150 driver in terms of top 10s at Martinsville. But if we look after he came back from breaking his leg, which happened early on in the 2015 season, Kyle Busch has top 10s in 12 of his last 15 starts at Martinsville, uh, which you know, is a, uh, doing the quick math in, in my head here is an 80% rate. So minus 120 just seems stupid to me. Uh, so that's why I went Kyle Busch top 10 at minus 120. I don't care that all those were the Joe Gibbs racing. Look what Austin Dillon did last year in that Richard Childress car. He finished third and arguably had the best car at the end there. Just, you couldn't pass because it was that cold freezing race uh, where mm-hmm. Byron, I think it was Logano finished one, two. You just couldn't pass, but but actually Austin Dillon was one of the few cars that could pass. Didn't have as great a second race, and obviously Tyler Reddick was terrible uh, at both races, but Tyler Reddick is terrible at Martinsville, so I'm not really considering that an RCR thing because we saw the upside with RCR with Austin Dillon. And and one thing to note about Kyle Busch, you know, you mentioned how many top 10s he has in the last 15 races, that, that 12. Uh, you got to remember also the fall race last year, he had a clunker of a car. Like that was when mm-hmm. he was Gibbs knew he was out. He did not have, yep. I mean, he finished 29th. He was just absolute junk driver rating of 42.2. You don't have that bad of driver rating. Uh, if you're Kyle Bush and, and you have a decent car. So in my, yeah. in my opinion, you can take that and completely throw it out the window uh, when it comes to Correct. Kyle Bush. So yeah, I wish I could have got in on that. I I'm right there with you with Kyle Bush. I think that that's moved to what minus minus one eighty minus 200. Um, uh, over at Caesars, I don't think FanDuel have dropped their top ten odds or anywhere else has yet. So, um, tip- now's the time though. Like typically, I was gonna say we're back, we're back on schedule with stacking Denny's. Now's the time uh, that uh, we get some odd drops for odds drops from. I mean, if um, we if we want a real one, oh, FanDuel. there it is, there it is. They there just dropped. They they just dropped. Sorry, FanDuel Ooh. top ten scrolling through. Logano's minus three forty, minus three forty. Ryan Blaney minus two fifty. So yeah, we we definitely got in good on those drivers. Just looking at some longer shots. I'm scrolling down the board here. We don't have the long shots that Caesars gave on. I, I know I, I have. I don't currently have Caesars top tens up, but I know as of this morning, Harrison Burton was ten to one for a top ten. Noah Gregson was fourteen, then thirteen, and then ten to one for a top ten. And Todd Gillen was 14, then 13 to 1 for a top 10. Um, right now, I'm going to refresh Caesars real quick and stall a little bit and keep talking. Uh, right now, Noah Gregson is 10 to 1. Harrison Merton is 10 to 1. And Todd Gillen has bet, been bet down at 8 to 1 for a top 10. Todd Gillen finished, I believe, 13th last year in the second Martinsville race. Harrison Burton finished 11th. And we all know how good Noah Gregson is based off of his Xfinity and truck results at Martinsville. So uh, FanDuel not showing the long shot value and not showing the shorter guys value here. Um, So top 10s this week at FanDuel, probably not where you want to be betting 
on your top tens. Um, looking at some other props, FanDuel has winning manufacturer, Chevy plus 115, Toyota plus 184, plus 230. They don't have a two-plus stage bet, which is what I was really looking for. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, then they got some head-to-heads and some group bets as well. You know, you know what's been intriguing to me all day? As just a pure long shot, Corey LaJoy, top 10, 22 to 1. I loved that. He was 28 earlier at yeah. FanDuel. Or not FanDuel, at Caesars. He was 28 to 1. Didn't bet it myself, um, but I that was one of the first things I mentioned to PJ Walsh from Action Network uh, this week was Corey LaJoy is sneaky good at Martinsville. He hasn't quite had the mm-hmm. finishes to show for it. He has a couple 18th places as his best, but I feel like that's almost been bad luck that his best finishes have been 18th because he's run better at times and uh, he's been running really well this year and, and last year as well. Yeah, they, and they're pricing him down there in the sh- with the shit boxes, which you know that that should always just get get uh, flash the ball before you. Um, another guy trying to think of some sleepers you know for maybe like a top five or top top 10 Bubba Wallace is always really good at Martinsville um finally got a top 10 here last fall with 2311 he finished eighth he's finished 16th or better and and three of the last four with 2311 even when he was with Petty though you know he finished 11th here in 2020 13th uh top top six in both stages back in 2020 like is he a guy that you could take a flyer on this week? Maybe not for the race win, but maybe, you know, like a top five bet. Yeah, possibly. Um, and, and while you're mentioning Bubba Wallace, so, uh, real quick, he's I'll also just go through his top 10 odds, 340 at FanDuel, like you said, and, yeah. uh, 175 at, at Caesars. But one interesting thing you mentioned, Bubba Wallace, we talked about Austin Dillon who ran third last year. We also know Ryan Priest. We, we've already talked about him in this show. I'm very interested in him because of how Cole Custer ran here last year. Plus, we know Ryan Priest, short track specialist. Well, those three drivers are in a group with Daniel Suarez, who is garbage at Martinsville. And Daniel Suarez is the favorite in that group at DraftKings, Group D. Daniel Suarez is plus 210. The other three are all plus 280. I feel like you could bet the other three, one unit each, right, and if one of them hits, you get your unit back, you lose two, but you make 2.8, so you profit 0.8 units as long as Daniel Suarez doesn't win that group, and I just don't think he will. Uh, I, I think that's a it's a high-risk strategy. I mean, you're risking three units to win 0.8 units. But I think if I run the probabilities, it's it, when I run that my model, when I run the probabilities, I think it's still going to actually show a positive ROI there. Yeah, uh, only thing that would concern me, you know, you, you talked about Suarez being absolute garbage here at Martinsville, and, and he has been. But he did have – he started seventh and finished 12th here last fall, top 10 in both stages. That would just – it's that little bit that, you know, did he finally get this track figured out? That Yeah, but Bubba Wallace still finished ahead of him. Um, that's true. Ryan yeah. Priest didn't run the race, but uh, I think Cole Custer was, was pretty near him. And he actually crossed the line – 13th uh i think he finished 12th for some reason uh, i don't know if there's a dq or something um uh keselowski but, got uh, dq'd yeah that's what it was so he actually cole- finished finished 13th on speed cole custer uh speaking of last last fall at martinsville top five in both stages 
ended up finishing yep. fourteenth. I don't remember what happened there, um, but and uh, last spring, I mean, he, he last spring uh, the first Martinsville race, he was running up the front most of the race, had a pit penalty, and just you can't pass in that. Remember that cold ass race? You just couldn't yeah. pass. But he finished third and fifth in stage one and two in the first race, like you said, and then that second Martinsville race. Uh, he finished in the stages, yeah, third and fourth. So, Ryan Priest, what if he does better with that car? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could definitely see that happening, um, for sure. Now, I don't. Cole Custer finished wh- top five in all four stages last year, other than the win, you know, the final stages. But all four of the first that's, and second stages. That's just crazy to think about, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. And and I truly believe Ryan Priest is a better Martinsville driver than Cole Custer. So looking at uh, top Toyota, Bubba Wallace fourteen to one. I might I I could bite there. I'm not going to feel yeah, great four, about it, but I but I could bite there. Fourteen to one at Caesars. Um, you know we also have. Uh, in terms of top Ford, Ryan Priest is eleven to one. If we're if we're into that Cole Custer theory, uh, obviously Blaney and Logano are rightfully the favorites. But then Keselowski, Harvick, Chase Briscoe, but then Ryan Priest at eleven to one um, is very interesting as a top four to play. I haven't bet it myself. Like I said, the only bets I have so far this week are Kyle Busch to win and Kyle Busch top ten, but. Uh, Certainly interested, maybe in Ryan Priest, depending on you know. Uh, got I got running hot to record on Thursday, so uh, I'll try to save some bets for that. Especially because I think BetMGM uh, will have their top manufacturer up by then. They typically do, uh, so it'll give me a chance to compare different top manufacturer odds. But th- there's definitely some interest in some top manufacturer bets, like you mentioned, the bubble one, uh, Priest potentially. So, uh, yeah, there's some play here. Mm-hmm. Uh, going through the list, you know, we, we haven't even talked about Christopher Bell yet. Defending winner of this race, always good on these short flats. Um, only led nine laps in his first five starts here, but then went and led 150 last fall. Like I said, started 20th in that race, ended up uh, finishing first. As actually his teammate Denny Hamlin that led the most laps in that race, led 203. Mm-hmm. Uh, Had a bad pit stop. Yeah, one both cost stages, him, but but Hamlin's yeah. the best car. Yeah, um, could definitely see both of those up there contending for the win this week. Uh, their best odds, you can get Bell at uh, seven to one and Hamlin at seven to one as well. It looks like. Um, might not be, might be, might be able to get a little bit longer on some of these other books that aren't, um, that I'm not looking at right now, but yep. definitely something to consider there. Um, with how these, with how this race went last year at Martinsville. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let me see here. How do we feel about a guy like Brad Keselowski, who's been running really strong in a lot of races, two-time winner here at Martinsville. Uh, last year finished 17th and 36th, but he did have – oh, yeah, he got DQ'd in that race. I think he finished – He actually finished just like third. 
or fourth. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which you know, it, when you credit him with that finish, that make that gives him one, two, three, four, five, six, seven top fives in the last nine Martinsville races. With how Keselowski's running this this season, I don't hate betting him. To be honest with you, yeah, I, I think the issue here is the outright bet. Um, it's just too short right now, uh, and I do like Keselowski this week. Um, you know, like I said, he he shows up in, he shows up in my model right when you get outside of those top twelve drivers that I mentioned. He's in that next tier, that like thirteenth mm-hmm. place type driver. Um, but twenty two to one, which is the best you can find right now at DraftKings, is just too short. It's the same kind of idea as Josh Berry. It's just too short. Uh, although I would rather take Keselowski at twenty two to one than Josh Berry at twenty two to one if I had to pick. Uh, because Keselowski's just been in this car. He's he's been racing in this level for so long, and obviously he he showed that upside last year purely on speed, not on uh, I got lucky to finish there type deal. So I don't I don't think I would bet Keselowski at twenty two to one. I mean, my model's not showing value on that. My model's showing about two and a half percent to win. It should be fifty to one, uh, which I think is fair given his you know mm-hmm. he's moved into an RFK ride. It he's on the waning end of his career. Uh, so it's just one of those where, I, you know, I think my model probably pretty accurately captures his win odds, but he definitely doesn't have a non-zero chance. Yeah, I mean, he legitimately has a shot. It's just going to take things, I think, to to come together for him. But I think we're probably looking more at, uh, you know, they're just those those top guys. It's, it's top-heavy race. And I, I would love for Keselowski to grab a win just for – you know the the driver owner deal and and to feel like for him that he made the right move and all that i just don't think it's gonna be this one you know one thing i don't hate with keselowski betting i I, and by the way i don't like 22 to 1 at all um i wasn't specifically talking about outrights but uh plus 100 for a top 10 i don't i like that yeah it's pretty close um, I don't, my model doesn't have value there. Uh, my model has some more at like 35%, 40% to finish top 10, um, which would be, you know, in the plus 150 to plus 200 range. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, right. There's already 12 other drivers or at least 11 that are probably better than him. Um, over the long run, the, the top seven we mentioned plus Ross plus Kyle Busch plus, Probably Bowman and Reddick, right? So at that point, you're not no longer a favorite to be in the top ten. Um, so I think I wouldn't take even money, but I would potentially consider something longer than even money on a top ten. It's it's interesting you mentioned Reddick because his track record here is is beyond bad. Um, yep. One yep. top ten finish and eighth in 2021. Um, no other finish better than 16th. No driver rating better than 80.6. Uh, and that w- that was one that kind of snu- stuck out to me on the uh, the betting board here. He's twenty eight to one at DraftKings compared to twenty to one with Josh Berry. Um, is is this finally the year that Tyler Reddick gets this place figured out? Because it does. It seems like he's really struggling here. But uh, we know how those Toyotas can do. Now that he's in that twenty three eleven ride, we saw what Bubba Wallace can do. Uh, you know, could Tyler Reddick surprise some people and and go against his track record here this weekend? It's possible. I mean, so again, Martinsville, let's look at Kyle Larson. In his first seven starts at Martinsville, he had one top 10. 
Uh, but since then, he's had three out of six, including a fifth and a second. So it seems like it takes for these Kyle Larsons, these Tyler Reddicks, takes two, three, four years for them to get acclimated to this track. So we're right around that point with Tyler Reddick where maybe maybe he starts to figure this track out. Maybe not. Certainly maybe not. But maybe he does. Um you know, if we look at the truck series, even uh, way back in 2016, 2015, uh, Tyler Reddick had a fifth at Martinsville, uh, uh, even further back. He actually had a 16th and then a sixth, then a fifth and then a fifth and then a 20th and then a 17th, which, you know, obviously wasn't ideal for him. But he had two fifth place there in the trucks when he finished second in the standings. So it's certainly not one of his best tracks. Um, but we're getting to that point where he's potentially going to be able to figure it out. Got the new team, has some amazing teammates in Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., Christopher Bell, obviously technically not teammates, but you get the idea. The Toyota Alliance, Alliance teammates, where he'll be able to, uh, rely on them as well for, for extra info and setup and driving style and all that stuff. So I think he'll make some gains. Um, but I'd probably put him in that range with Keselowski. They both have upside uh, for different reasons. Like Tyler Reddick just has massive upside in general. And Keselowski, I think, has massive upside just from the fact that this is a good track for him. So very different reasons, but I think they have <laughs> kind of similar ranges of, of outcomes in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I, I mentioned earlier that uh, some of these smaller books have better lines. If you... Uh, that. Bet Fred, I know you, you, you've never really heard of them before, but we do have them I here. Say, I don't Ohio. even know who the hell Fred is. Yeah, yeah. If you like Larson, they have him at eight to one. So if you're shopping around, that's that's the longest I've seen Kyle Larson. Uh, they also have Hamlin at eight to one. So um, if you like those two, head on over there and grab those. Um, another smaller book, Bet three sixty, Bet three sixty five. I haven't seen them drop odds yet. So. Um, who else you who else you want to talk about? Honestly, I mean all the relevant guys I think we've talked about, even further in the field, we you know, we mentioned whether it's a bubble walls or a Ty Gibbs or a uh um a Noah Gregson or a Todd Gillen or even a Harrison Burton. I guess maybe the only other one would be AJ Allendinger, who has had some very good races here in the past with uh Petty, mm-hmm. with Penske, uh with JTG. He hasn't quite done it with Colleague yet. Uh, although, remember last year in the first of the two races, he received that penalty. Before the race even started, he had to pass through penalty right on the green flag. Um, and still ended up finishing, I think, 26. Basically stayed the two laps down that he lost uh, at the start of the race. But I don't think the second race was as successful. But uh, you always got to look at an A.J. Allmendinger at Martinsville, I guess. Yeah, I remember, you know, when he was with JTG, it felt like he was always constantly challenging for a top 10 and, you know, not just fluke challenging for top 10s, but, you know, better driver ratings than Kyle Larson top 10s. So, um, yeah, definitely a sleeper to keep an eye on. Like you said, he finished 24th and 23rd in the two races here last year with Colleg. Um, but, you know, if he looks if he looks good in practice this weekend, assuming we get it in, uh, I know there's some additional rain in the forecast, as we talked about earlier. But that's one thing we're going to get during practice as well is long runs. Uh, we're we're, we're going to get some 30-plus lap runs to actually 
um, you know, be able to analyze this practice data. How how important or how much stock are you putting into practice data this weekend? Uh, remains to be seen. <laughs> I think it'll be important. Um, I think it'll definitely be important, and we'll get long run data. So I'm I'm very curious about the fall off given. Um, you know, we have this lower downforce package and the difference we saw between the two Martinsville races last year, just from the colder to the warmer temperatures. Mm -hmm. Plus there was a tire change. I think they did some other things to address a little bit of aero and tire stuff. Uh, so I think we'll see more fall off this year just from the aero change itself. Although it's not going to be 80 plus like it was in the second Martinsville race, but it'll still be in the, in the upper sixties, probably. Uh, if if we're racing on Sunday, so at minimum it'll be in the upper 60s, I think. So, um, you know, uh, looking at the Martinsville weather forecast right now for Sunday, it's 79, but the rain is supposed to be later in the day. So if it gets pushed to Monday, upper 60s. Yeah. Um, and there's the whole damp damp weather. Like, yeah, will they run in the, the damp? How does that help? How does that help? certain drivers or not um i will say pj walsh um informed me again action network the two drivers that tested uh in the damp at martinsville chris busher and kyle larson hmm. so definitely you know if, if, if weather becomes a factor you know we've seen busher surprise at short tracks specifically um you know Last year he was 15. He started fourth and then finished 15th in the first race here at Martinsville. He has a top 10 back in 2021 here as well. And obviously he won Bristol, which, you know, it's not really comparable to Martinsville, but it is a short track. So um, that's a little nugget to, to remember. Busher and, and, and Larson practice. If we get these wet situations on Sunday and, they, and we finally see this package come out on a short track. So real quick back to Almendinger. If you look at his career stats at Martinsville and you remove when he was in absolute shit boxes, um, which, you know, Red Bull Racing that one or two years or whatever that was there, it was a garbage shit box. Um, mm -hmm. some, they didn't even qualify half the races. Uh, but if you remove the shit box years races that he had at Martinsville, he has had 20 starts. He's finished in the top 15 in 14 of them. So that is a 70% rate in finishing the top 15 for AJ Allmendinger. Although, last year he did have two 24th place finishes. Mm -hmm. 23rd, I guess, with a DQ, but but crossed the line in 24th in both of them. And that that team has just struggled this season, you know. Yes. They, they have not been good. They have not had speed. So one of those guys that I want to see practice before I make any definite you know, bets or anything on him or even think about it. So certainly, um, speaking of bets though, uh, who's your pick to win this week? By the way, uh, you picked Christopher bell last week. Yes, I did. I did. You got so your I'm first board. First, as far as a first pick, win of the year, as I picked the win. Yeah, I'm on the board. Um, I mean, I should pick William Byron. I think he's the, based off what we saw at Richmond, based off what we saw at Phoenix, based off what he's done at Martinsville in the past, he should be the guy I pick. So I'm not going to pick him. <laughs> 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 not going to pick him. Um, I think this tire wear is going to be interesting. And uh, I think JGR has shown a lot of ability with the tire wear. We saw Richmond, they were pretty competitive 
uh, as was, you know, Larson and, and Byron and, and stuff at Richmond. So I'm going to switch over to the JGR stable, and I'm going to go with a guy who's due. Uh, due is a bad word in gambling, but he's due. The last time he won, uh, I think it was 10 Martinsville races ago, something like that, even more. More than 10 Martinsville races. It was in 2015. And since then, he has led 12% of the laps, but has not won, and that is Denny Hamlin. I so I'll take Denny Hamlin. That. Yeah, as my pick to win on Stacking Denny's Sponsorship Weekend. I like that pick. Uh, it's been a while. Was was Hamlin's last win overall the Coke 600 last year? I believe so. That's a good yeah. question. Yep. Sure was. One of his two wins last year. He also won at Richmond. Uh, but, yep. yeah, his last Martinsville win was indeed 2015. The first Martinsville race in 2015. But if you look... At his career, Denny Hamlin has been incredibly good at Martinsville. So, uh, obviously, just hasn't won here lately. But dominated last year, like you said, in the second race, led 200 laps. Had the car to beat, didn't get it done with the pit stops. But Denny Hamlin, a five-time winner at Martinsville. Mm -hmm. Could definitely see him getting his sixth win uh, this weekend. Would not be surprising at all. Uh, as far as my pick, I think Bell goes back-to-back. -back. I think it's going to be Christopher Bell. Back-to-back -back not only from last week, but also back-to-back -back at Martinsville. Yep. Can't argue that at all. Um, he's second or third in my model, depending on you know what subsets of, of races in the past you use as, as back-testing data, etc. But, uh, yeah. Denny Hamlin, Christopher Bell. You can't really go honestly. You can't go wrong with any of the top seven. I think it is a little harder to to back Logano and Blaney given how the short flat package has been for them this year. But I think if you go with any of those three JGR guys or Larson or you know including Truex or Larson or, or Byron, you're probably in good shape. And I guess if you had to eliminate one of those, you'd eliminate Truex. So makes sense. I think both of our picks make sense. Um, kind of a little bit. I wouldn't say easier, but possible to eliminate Larson based off track history. So for me, it comes down to Hamlin, Bell, and Byron. And yeah. so we picked two I'm, of those three. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I was not about to pick either Logano or Blaney and jinx that. Jinx, jinx my bet. So. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think this definitely comes down to, I think Byron's going to be super strong and and as is bell and, and hamlin but this is a 400 lap race you got to be good for 400 laps and uh hey we'll see what happens but uh random fantasy racing boy you you really dock blocked somebody um you dock blocked them into jail last week <sighs> it's such a <laughs> terrible situation um it's first of all we we want to make sure the victim um alleged victim is is okay uh, and that everybody in this situation gets the help and the treatment that they need. But when I got Cody Ware last week, I'm like, how do you dock block the worst car in the field? And I didn't think it was going to be, you miss the race and then go to jail. So, <laughs> um, uh, you Ooh. know, it's tough to joke about a situation like this. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it, it, I think, 
sometimes humor can can help as long as we're being respectful about the humor. So we have to make sure we put Ty Dillon, who I have this week as my random fantasy pick, in a protective bubble. Uh, so yeah, I have Ty Dillon this week as my random fantasy pick. Yep. Um, I had Kyle Larson as my random fantasy pick um, last week. And I'll tell you what, man, I'm not doing good this year. <laughs> Average finish of 24.1. Uh, you know, with Larson's 35th, he did get me 20 points, but man, this, this random fantasy thing, I got Josh Berry this week. So it'd be a good pick if it, if it was Chase Elliott in that car. Um, but obviously it's not, I want to give a shout out to the current, uh, random fantasy racing leader. They've only made seven starts. That's insane. Average, (laughs) average finish of average finish of fourth. Including two wins. I mean, that's like, what are the chances? Yeah, that's insane. Missed. And they, uh, yeah, they missed one of the races there, Richmond. And they're still 17 points ahead of second place. That's crazy. Look at these results. No finish worse than seventh. Top and who do they have? Five, top five, and five of the seven they did start, and two wins. Oh man, and they have Ryan Priest at Martin's. Ryan That's Priest very, this week. Very, if you're gonna get Ryan Priest, this is probably the week you want to get him. Yeah, that's amazing. Gosh, that's gonna be. That's something, man. That's wild. Getting Tyler Reddick at. I mean, check out this luck. Getting Tyler Reddick at Coda, and then getting Chris Bell at Dirt. Mm-hmm. That's that's that is some good random luck there. Larson at Phoenix when when he had a dominant car. I mean, probably should have won that race or or you know finished second at least to Kevin Harvick. Right. Yeah. Wild. Wild. What are how you we doing? Them? How are we doing on the uh, influencer cup? We're looking good. We are still in fourth, and we actually extended our lead to forty eight. Points. I think we were around 40 last week. So, um, 48 point lead over fifth place and over sixth place, we have a 77 point lead. So, we're good by 77 points and falling out of the top five, which I think is the goal this year is to make sure we finish in the top five. So, um, one way to help the podcast is to help me finish in the top five just for my own pride. So I know you all did a great <laughs> job helping sponsoring Steven Malazzi for his truck ride. Thank you. Stacking Daddy's the primary sponsor on a fucking truck. But we also want to make sure we continue to help out uh, a, a total pride and joy thing of finishing top five in the Influencer Cup to have another top ten finish for three years in a row. Last year was Influencer Cup. Two years ago was the Shitbox Cup or whatever it's called. Uh, the <laughs> underdog standings. Yeah, the underdog cup. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're not doing too bad in the underdog cup. You're 180th. So uh, if you can get some more bad luck, you have a chance to, to climb into the top 100 there with a long way to go. Yeah. Josh Berry, do your magic. Let's see a blown tire on lap one or something. Just kidding. But. Um, I want to okay real quick. I want to look at the leader of the shitbox cup. Um, they have no finish better than twenty eighth, and that's the only top 
29 finish, right? Everything else is 30th or worse. That's brutal. That um, is, oh my gosh. That's so bad. That includes, yeah, that includes AJ Allmendinger at Auto Club finishing <laughs> 36th. And at uh, Coda. That includes, yeah, and at Coda finishing 34th. That includes Almarola 10th at a drafting track where we know he usually has good finishes. Um, and some of them have been some shit boxes, like the 78 and the 51 at, uh, imagine getting the 51 at Bristol Dirt. Who would, who would do that? <laughs> uh, you know, obviously getting Ty Dillon has not been ideal this year in the 77. Um, getting Harrison Burton at Phoenix. I guess if you're going to get Harrison Burton anywhere, you'd want it at a drafting track, maybe a road course or a short flat. So, but yeah, not, not great drivers here. Um, McDowell at Daytona would have been a good one, but McDowell didn't have the greatest finish, finishing 28th there. So, yeah, very, very bad uh, season so far for David Hanks' eye. Mm-hmm. And he's got uh, Gregson this week. Ooh. I Gregson, think. a little That's interesting f- top 10 play at long odds. Gregson's the 42, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. I don't know if you can tell. It's almost 1 a.m. on the East Coast right now. It's it's past my bedtime. <laughs> we're, we're running on fumes here. Yeah. So with that, I think we're going to wrap this episode up. Yes, sir. Uh, make sure, like we said, uh, Stephen Malazzi, his, his Venmo is still open. If you want to help support, you can send it directly to him. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, you can send money to us. We'll get it to him. But Stacking Denny's Ford is going to be on track at Martinsville this weekend. Haven't been able to release the paint scheme yet, but trust us, this car looks fucking awesome. Uh, can't That's wait good. for you guys to see it. Can't wait for I can't wait to be at Martinsville. I can't wait to watch this race. You're going to be in in Long Beach. Uh, we're both going to be you know busy this weekend, and it's it's going to be awesome. This is going to be fun to see. And man, we're on a fucking truck, dude. Yes, we are. We're on a damn truck. Uh, this is. I talked about last week. This has been a a secret goal of mine forever is to somehow, way, shape, or form, sponsor a NASCAR truck, Xfinity Cup car, whatever. So, goal, life goal achieved. Um, but couldn't do it without you, and couldn't do it without all the listeners, and of course, we couldn't do it without Stephen Malazzi, who will be rooting mm-hmm. on this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we see a good run. And you know, like he said, he just wants to survive, but. You know, hopefully there's some speed there, and he does even better than that. But it's going to be fun either way. Uh, good luck to everybody this weekend at Martinsville. Whether you're betting, playing DFS, we will talk to you next week when we go over Talladega. I'm going, going uh, back to Super Speedways next weekend, so or the weekend after, and then Dover. So this is a good month of racing outside of Bristol Dirt, Richmond. Bristol Dirt's a shithole. Uh, Martinsville, Talladega, Dover. That's just a good stretch of races right there. So, Very good stretch of races. Plus, you got uh, Long Beach for IndyCar, which is a cr- – like, if IndyCar has crown jewels, it's it's in the crown jewel of IndyCar, uh, along with, obviously, the Indy 500, and then pick your third one. But it's definitely number one, Indy, number two, Long Beach, as far as uh, – you know, crown jewel events in IndyCar, and and it's a great race too. Um, very good, very good race. So, great month of racing overall, just in general. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, this is going to be this episode, and we'll see you next week. Good luck, guys. See ya.